0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not so solitary fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 275 with Graham McMillan back from San Diego Comic Con 2019 to report on all he saw and did and survived and Jeff Lester back from the living room with a big pile of comic books he wants to talk about. And that more or less describes our one and two of this podcast, respectively, although interspersed are discussions about season one of The Boys on Amazon Prime. Under the Silver Lake starring Andrew Garfield, comments by Damon Lindelof about Alan Moore and the trailer for Watchmen the TV series, the first issue of House of X by Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz, 14 volumes of romance manga, and much, much more in this really, really close but not quite 2.5 hour installment. Comments on this episode are available at WaitWhatPodcast.com. Send us your questions at WaitWhatPodcast at gmail.com. And we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Perfect. I mean, Graham McMillan?
1: Hello. I'll take both. I'll take my name and also perfect. Because Jeff. You're perfect. Ah, And welcome,
0: everyone, to the Lovecast.
1: Uh, We've been off for a couple of weeks. We've missed each other. It's true. Uh, I've survived another San Diego Comic-Con, which left me amazingly emotional. And so I'm just telling Jeff I love him. And, I, and that sounds like a joke, but I do. I love Jeff. To a lesser extent, I love all you wadnoughts as well. Not because <laughs> you're your lesser people, but because I don't know you as well. Some of you I don't know at all. That's, That's true. all I'm saying. Wow. Wow, Graham Milk of Human Kindness, Macmillan. Well, I love you
0: too, man. I'm very excited <laughs> I, to be talking to you after a couple of weeks. I'm the milkman of human kindness, as Billy Regman sang. <laughs> I somehow missed that song. Shoot.
1: It always It's like way back, like way, way back, you know, when he was, he was just one man on a guitar and an utter inability to hit a note. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: the way we all love him. So, Graham, tell, tell me about Emotion Con.
1: Uh, 2019. I, it's, okay, so San Diego Comic-Con was really strange this year. Mm-hmm. It's one of the... It, it's funny. So many people this year told me, this is a weird show. Right. That was like the opener. Uh-huh. Like, hey, how are you doing? This is a weird show. I mean, almost everyone opened with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would say to them, yeah, I've heard that a lot. And every single person... After they told me it was weird, and I said, yeah, other people are telling me that, would go, you always say it's a weird show. (laughs) And I was like, am I being set up for like, (laughs) what is happening here? But everyone said it was a weird show this year. And to be fair, it was a very weird show this year. (laughs) Okay. All right. Almost everyone I talked to, at least in terms of PR, Mm -hmm. seemed to be unprepared for the show. Hmm. In one way or another, mm-hmm. some in small ways, uh, some in very, very big ways. Um, but everyone seemed surprised that it was happening, hmm. if that makes sense. It is. It is. And of
0: course, <clears throat> that in itself is surprising because, you know, it's San Diego
1: Comic-Con. It's not like it. it it's not. Let's like just say it's not a surprise. Yeah. Like everyone knew from this time last year that it was going to be this weekend. Right. Right. everyone so theoretically this should not have been a surprise for anyone and yet every single person i talked to in pr seemed a little bit in shock that was actually happening well you you did mention in fact that um
0: you know some things of course dc's uh uh presence at the con changed dramatically this year um And I feel like there was some other set of weirdnesses with Marvel and, of course, Hall H was
1: a complete... Yeah, there was all manner of things that were unusual, Mm -hmm. right? So, Warner Brothers had a combined booth at the... I I know you've been to Comic-Con, but you haven't been there in a few years. But imagine the back left-hand corner of the show floor, Mm -hmm. essentially behind Artist Alley.
0: Yeah, wild.
1: where DC and uh, Warner Brothers' booth was. And it was, Jeff... Massive. Mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating to say that I think your apartment could have fit in that booth four times. I uh I In fact in fact I can tell you the square footage of the booth. Mm. It was two stories of sixty five hundred square feet. Oh my god, yeah, that's that's
0: basically fitting my apartment in there. Uh, let me see, basically four times but yeah. uh two floors so yeah, it, I mean, it was
1: a big booth. Oh. Yeah. I, I, it was apparently the biggest booth in San Diego history, um, oh, and they yeah, it it was it was massive, mm-hmm. and it was very. So it was DC and Warner Brother doing a combined booth, right? Um, I I ended up doing a story for the Hollywood Reporter about it. I ended up talking to to the the person in charge of Warner Brothers television publicity because she was basically the one in charge of putting the booth together, and she was telling me like all these. Like, weird and, to me, interesting, because I am a nerd, facts, Mm -hmm. like, were actually booths. So they had these giant digital display screens on them, Mm -hmm. like, really massive. Um, But they had this rule about it, which is 70% of the time, those digital display screens would have been doing a DC thing. Mm -hmm. And at no time were the screens not allowed to have a DC thing on there. Hmm. They could like DC could have all of the screens and there's no other Warner Brother brother stuff on there, but at no point were they allowed to have no DC things on there, right? Because those rules like DC had to have a presence at Comic Con at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, But like so 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 it's this massive massive space, Mm -hmm. and one corner of it is called Gotham, and one corner of it is called Metropolis. (laughs) And inside it, you have a, a sort of minor recreation of Central Park from Friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And on the other side of that, you have a minor recreation of Pop Steiner from Riverdale.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And have have a, a display of, the, of costumes from the Chris Nolan Batman films. Mm-hmm. They have like two different signing areas. And a stage and a shop. And like a Harley Quinn animated show, like uh, activation they called them, you know, like the the weird like stand things where you can do stuff, right? Um, and the second story was all for interviews and meetings. Wow! Wow! Yeah! Yeah! It was nuts, Ted. Yeah. Um. So, so DC Warner Brothers were like, like their their whole thing had changed entirely. Um. Also. DC uh, had no movie presence there this year in terms of Hall age. Mm -hmm. They just had nothing. Uh, I think it had a panel. And that might have been it for for even Warner Brothers movies. I'm not sure there's any other movie there. Mm -hmm. Um, Marvel was in its normal space. Image had now moved to take over the DC space, the old DC space. Mm. And it felt bigger because of that. And I'm not actually sure if that's true. It might have actually been exactly the same amount of space, but just, you know, in a different place. But everyone I talked to was like, this is a weird show. This is a weird show. I talked to, and I'm not going to name names, but I talked to publicists who had on the Wednesday night preview night, Jeff, not set up interviews for any talent yet. Wow. Uh, And is there a reason why they would do that? Yeah, they basically ran out of time. Wow. And like, this was not malicious at all. And they got interviews set up like that night with Mm -hmm. press. For the remainder of the weekend, which is fine, but I went out to talk to this person and I was like, "Hey, so you know what's going on?" And they were basically like, "I have no idea what happened. I had two jobs to do for this, and I've not done one of them. Mm-hmm. uh you know I talked to to pr people at various other things, and I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And they are like, "I mean, Wednesday night was really a lot of, "Don't talk to me, I have to do this right now." right, like utter panic on people's faces hmm. um, so that was odd. that hmm. was unusual. In terms of like announcements, I feel that IDW and Marvel were the only people who announced stuff apart from the the Tom King, Mitch Garad's uh, Evan Shaner's announcement on Sunday, which I mean was announced on Twitter, wasn't even announced in the show, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, which announcement was this? This rings half a bell. Uh, Strange Adventures.
1: Oh right. The Adam in- Strange in- thing. Right, uh, right, 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 right. In- mm-hmm. And Doc Shaner are doing an Adam Strange series. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point in 2020, because literally the title, the covers, the creative team were announced, and 2020. Mm. That was it. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of your announcement. Um, but like that was it. That was DC's only announcement. Marvel announced actually a bunch of stuff. Um, IDW announced a bunch of stuff. Image announced one thing, I think. They mm-hmm. discovered und- they announced Undiscovered Country and gave away uh, um, Ashcans. Mm-hmm. And also, I've got to say, remember we were talking about Walking Dead and Image in general last time? Yes. Undiscovered Country is the next anchor book. Like, I've read the first issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's really strong. And I talked to uh, Scott Snyder and Charles Sewell about that. The interview hasn't gone up at THR purely because I haven't had time to transcribe it. Mm-hmm. But like it's a scott snyder interview he lays out like far more of the story than than he would have at one point charles actually told him to stop giving away everything wow um but it just sounded great like it sounded legitimately like oh of course this is the book that image has been looking for for the last couple of years Hmm. um yeah it's but like even that interview was weird Mm -hmm. because um i talked to him for 25 minutes say right and in all seriousness, I'm not sure I actually asked one complete question, hmm. because they were just like amped up and talking, mm-hmm. like pretty much I was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And they were like, "Okay, so let's just talk about this." And I was like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> 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 okay. um, yeah, I talked to I talked to some some creators, and that was sort of a, 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 a running theme. Mm-hmm. Like the people were just like really, it's weird. So, so the PR seems. Like panicked by it, creator seemed really on, mm. like really on in a way that was that was kind of unusual, hmm. you know. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was it was a weird. It, there there was a really weird vibe. Um, I I'm pretty sure you don't get the T-shirt newsletter, but I will pass on something that was in there. Uh, and this is not me that saw it, mm-hmm. but but the the sources. 100% impeccable. That's all I'll say. Okay. Outside the Marvel Comics 1000 panel, mm-hmm. all the Marvel talent who are going to be on the panel were gathered together for a photograph before the panel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And instead of saying cheese, mm-hmm. CBC went, Marvel's uh, DC sucks. Oh, yeah. really? And apparently one of the creators, again, I'm not going to name names on this podcast, said, oh, no. Like, that's that's just tacky. Mm -hmm. And the response was apparently, are you kidding? Have you seen our numbers lately? We're crushing them. Fuck. That's depressing. Um, I was at the Marvel and Nets Big Thing panel, which was the Hickman announcement panel. Mm A, Hickman is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely fucking hilarious. His amused disdain for what the other panelists are doing (laughs) was wonderful. Really? I mean genuinely a joy to watch (laughs) um marvel had this weird thing this year where they tried to make their panels into game shows oh god so they're so they're announcing the the lineup of the post house of x powers of 10 books Mm -hmm. and there's six books and they say instead of just telling you who's on it who's on the teams we're gonna get you guys to guess we're gonna pull like pick two of you up on stage and these guys and that was a disaster. Like, that even sounds like a disaster when I tell you, right? Yeah. Not joking when I say that the first round of that, and there's six books, the first round of that took... 45 minutes. 12, <laughs> minutes. Right? Because they kept on going, let's go back and forth. You've right. chosen one. Okay, you choose one. Okay, you choose one. Okay, you choose one. And it just took forever. So much so that the other good thing about Marvel is they do not understand what a hot mic is. Mm-hmm. So that you add your <clears throat> A Marvel person, and again, I'm not going to say who, say to another one, thinking they're not microphones, we've got to speed this up. We're not going to get through all the books in time. We've, we've got to work out a way to do this faster. Mm-hmm. On oh, microphone! Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, but, but they're doing all this, and, and and they actually say at one point, you know, like, oh, what can we tell everyone about the, the, this book? And Hickman says, if it was up to me, nothing. If it was up to me, there would be no PR about these books. And you'd know what's happening when you picked them up and read them. But I guess that's not the world we're living in. I was outvoted. Wow. Hickman was just like, I I said on Twitter as well, what the first question, shockingly, the first question of the panel was this guy who basically stands up and says, Iceman can't be gay because if he was gay, other telepaths would have known ahead of time uh, there's a theory that Gene Gray made teenage Bobby gay. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And you have panic on everyone else's face and Hickman just leans into the microphone and goes, The answers you're looking for in House of uh uh Heroes in Crisis is your eight. Oh wow. And everyone else is like, like, they look at him like, that's really funny, but we can't laugh. Oh and my like, God. It, they, like, they really sort of duck into it, like, you know, you, you're, uh, Bobby's going to play a big part in, fuck, whatever he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I think everyone's going to be happy with what they see. But, but Hickman just, like, was clearly having fun, mm-hmm. but was having fun on this different level than everyone else on the panel. Mm. You know? But like, the game show Kaseep was terrible. Mm-hmm. the show conceit was just a bad idea you know yeah um yeah it was it was just it was a nightmare um i was i ended up being on three panels
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh one of them was last minute filling in for for a moderator hmm. and uh that was like that was my least favorite panel because literally i i found out i was doing it like hours before i was doing it yeah that sounds kind of nightmarish I like oh, okay then um but I was on the Judge Dredd panel, which was great. And this is going to sound weird. One of the reasons why it was great was I did not say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, we said, like, three things during the entire hour. Mm-hmm. But that's because it was me, uh, Seedens, the, the forge editor and the the, the artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, uh, an NBC journalist.
2: Wow.
1: And, like, another writer. I, uh, and, like, I and J. K. barden Mulcher. And it was moderated by Rosie Knight. And honestly, like most of us, with ex- like all the straight white men, with exception Mulcher, who like basically gave a good historical perspective, mm-hmm. like shut up and let the women talk about talk about the, the dread mm-hmm. and, and talk about dread as as authority figure. And it was fucking great, Jeff. It was so good. That's fabulous. Um, and I was on the Blade Runner, the Blade Runner comic panel. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Which was super fun. Uh, it might be the most fun I've ever had moderating a panel. Really yeah uh everyone it was a very good crowd it was a very like receptive crowd interestingly enough it was a crowd like it was a crowd of let's say 150 Mm -hmm. maybe about three people had read the comic because i did do a hands-up wow and the comic is out like so it's not like you know you know people hadn't had a chance to read the comic the comic's out yeah Uh, but there were various like you know very interested in what was being said and it was me a guy from the company that owns the owns Blade Runner Mm -hmm. someone from Titan Comics and one of the writers not the the not the writer who worked in the movie he wasn't there Mm. but his coach during the comic was there Mm. um and literally like I was bullshitting about Blade Runner and it was really fun like I, I, I like I left the panel and had enjoyed myself That's fabulous. You know? It was just like, oh, that's great. And really, funnily, I left the panel and had to get somewhere immediately, but also desperately had to go to the bathroom. And as I'm going towards the bathroom, someone literally from the panel was like, You did a great job!
2: (laughs) I got a piss. (laughs)
1: Um, Let's see what else happened. There's the big Marvel announcements, the the movie announcements. Right. uh, Which were, I think, more than anyone was expecting. Mm -hmm. What was funny is. Thr people had heard like we we prep stories because we know stuff ahead of time right right and we heard something just we prepped and we were like okay this is going to be like a really weird deal but a big deal Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't announced really holy shit. Wow. And we were like, oh, and then all the stuff was announced that we just didn't see, like Blade. No one knew Blade was coming.
0: Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Do you, you want to? I... Do you want to run that down very? I can't imagine anyone listening to us
1: doesn't know. The, the breakdown of the announcements. Okay, so they basically announced uh, Black Widow movie next year, which everyone knows about. I, I'm actually going to have to look up a list because I'll forget stuff. Right. Um, the Shang-Chi in 2020, uh, sorry, 2021. Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, it's called. Right. They announced a new Doctor Strange film, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. They announced a new Thor film of all things, Thor Love and Thunder, which is going to have Jane Foster being Thor. Right. Uh, they announced, what else did they announce? Oh, Eternals, which mm-hmm. everyone knows about is they confirmed that uh, Angelina Jolie's in it. They uh, actually brought the entire cast out. Oh, so did all the
0: other oddball casting theories turn out to be right? Or I guess they weren't theories. I guess it was more or less confirmed that some of the other people that were in it were actually in it, right?
1: Uh, what, which ones are you talking about? Like Kamel Danjiani's in it, if that's what you're, you're
0: at. Yeah, Kamel, and then I swear there was someone else that they pulled in that was kind of like, oh, that's
1: oh, odd Uh choice. Richard Madden, isn't it Salma Hayek's in it?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, maybe it is Richard Madden, or Salma Hayek, or Jesus. Okay, anyway. Never uh, mind anyway
1: so, so so they have. I, right. I'm actually looking at the proper list now. It is Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Eternals are both coming 2020. Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uh, are both coming 2021. Uh, and then Thor, Love and Thunder is also coming 2021. Right. They also announced the Disney Plus TV shows, which is Falcon and Winter Soldier, which they confirmed, A, is Falcon training to be Captain America, and B, Baron Zemo comes back as the comic Baron Zemo with the hood and everything. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Vision. They announced, or confirmed, announced, whatever, and revealed that it takes place after Endgame. Hmm. Because there had been rumors that it would take place before Endgame, or that it would be like an alternate universe thing altogether. No, it's after Endgame. They announced the Loki series properly, and confirmed that that takes place after Endgame, and is the Loki who gets the Infinity Gem and fucks off in the the flashback.
3: Mm, interesting.
1: They announced what if? Mm Mm-hmm. It's an animated series with the voice cast from the movies, and they announced the Hawkeye uh, TV show officially as well, which is Jeremy Renner and the introduction of Kate Bishop. Right. And then at the end, they were like, Blade! But they didn't say, like, when or where or what. Mm-hmm. Just Blade! Blade's happening. Uh, and it's, uh, oh God, what's his name?
0: Uh, Masha Shah
1: Ali. Uh, yeah, Mar- yes.
0: I can never pronounce his name. That's as close as I was going to get. It is, so, it's, yeah.
1: it's Marsh Ali Ali. I think yeah. that's, that's exactly right. Um, there were some there were some surprises about what wasn't named.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For example, Where's Black Panther 2?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Which, which to the best of everyone's knowledge, is actually being worked on now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I guess it's three years away. Um, and Where's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Right. Um, but, you know, James Gunn's still doing Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So it like we knew that one was pretty far out mm-hmm. but like that was uh like an hour and a half maybe slightly more of a panel and mm-hmm. really was like you know here's some news here's some news here's some news here's some news and that was just wacky eats cover
0: yeah i can imagine i mean
1: uh, and then sorry
0: i, I was going to say on the other hand at least for someone who has had like uh, was having a semi crazy work week i feel like the MCU announcements were one of the few things that sort of seemed to penetrate it the out, sphere. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They sort of broke out. And, well, there wasn't much else that really broke out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like comics wise, uh, the X-Men comics announcement mm-hmm. like was probably the biggest, mm-hmm. but even then we knew comics were coming. It's literally just here are what those comics are. Yeah. And it is um, X-Men Marauders X-Force. Excalibur, New Mutants, and something else I've forgotten. Fallen Angels. Hmm. Um, And in every respect, and and Hickman actually said this on the panel, he's basically using the title and junking the original conceit. Interesting. Interesting. The one title that's not true of is New Mutants. Oh, really? Which is the original New Mutants cast with a few additions. Hmm. Um. But everything else, like, for example, Excalibur does have a Captain Britain, but it's Betsy Braddock. Hmm. Um, and Brian Braddock is elsewhere for reasons we will, I guess, find out.
3: Hmm.
1: But otherwise, I mean, I'm not sure what the comics news really was, right? Right. They There were, like, the biggest news for me mm-hmm. was something that I'm fairly sure just didn't penetrate anything. Mm-hmm. Which was the Comic Hub news? Did you even hear about that? I don't think I did. So Comic Hub is an existing uh, software company that deals with comic retailers, doing point of sale, doing other like you know CRM stuff. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. announced a partnership with NPD Group that um, Comic Hub sales of uh, trades and graphic novels are going to be put into BookScan for the first time.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So the book scan numbers at the end of – actually, at the end of next year because mm-hmm. it takes – it begins in January 2020. But mm-hmm. the end of next year will include the Drake market. Wow. Which is big, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is actual big, sales nice. figures. Well,
0: although as Comic Hub, I want to say Hibs uses a different one.
1: They... Yeah, Comic, uh, Comic Hub is not everywhere. Yeah, 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 But yeah, yeah. I suspect some – like, suspect news like that will help it. Grow, especially because as part of the partnership, mm-hmm. it's it's reciprocal. Um. Comic retailers scan info, all
2: mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. the boots info, hmm.
2: um,
1: which feels useful to me. Yeah. Like it feels like something would be worthwhile.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, but that feels like the biggest. I mean, what else was there? There was uh, Sunday Press. so I don't even know if you follow. Like they reprint the old newspaper strips, like really big, mm. uh, the size they originally appeared in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they did a. uh partnership with idw hmm.
2: uh
1: where essentially idw will i mean it's an acquisition except he refuses to say the guy behind sunday press refuses to say it's an acquisition right. like he is overseeing the imprint still but idw is going to pay for it and, right do you know what i mean like that's an acquisition yeah right yeah um but yeah so that that was fairly big news as well Oh Um, right, Um, Sophie Campbell's taking over Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which you know is fun for me as someone who likes Sophie Campbell's work. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's a big story. Mm. Um, I mean, really, I can't think of other big comics news. You know,
0: I do remember, of course, there was the news slash announcement and controversy around uh, IDW's collection of Steve Ditko's Mister A. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, which is quite interesting. And I figured, figured we, in theory, we would end up talking about it. Uh, for those who might have missed it, IDW uh, announced that they were going to be reprinting Ditko's The Complete Mr. A. I didn't quite follow if they're going to be in their massive, oversized artist editions. That's the I, sense I, I got. I don't, I don't
1: think they've actually said
0: that yet. Okay. But someone did ask, uh, and I guess... Um, Steve Ditko's nephew was on the panel as part of the person there and making the announcement and was asked flat out how this comported with the fact that Steve Ditko had specifically said that he did not want this stuff reprinted. Um, so I,
1: here's the thing, right? Uh huh. Did you not feel it was going to happen no matter what as soon as Steve Ditko died? It, much in the same way that like you knew that the Prince stuff was going to be reissued and they were going to quote unquote open the vaults and all the Prince stuff when mm-hmm. he died. Mm-hmm. Like there there was a certain inevitability about this. Do you not know think? Uh, I. You know, it's funny. I didn't give it much thought. I hadn't been
0: aware that that was specifically his... I didn't know that he had made his opinion known about it one way or the other. So finding out that he didn't was... um, I guess it's interesting to me. I didn't find it as much of a flat out like, ah, the outrage, the agitas. Because honestly, with dead artists, you know... If people, if the executor of his estate had respected his wishes, we never would have had Franz Kafka's work, which means a lot to me. I deeply adored Prince, but was not super thrilled with uh, his approach to uh, digital music ship musicianship or or rather the it the gate the gatekeeping seemed incredibly stringent so yes when he passed and his family negotiated deals and more of his library started going out in into the world i was pretty happy about that and part of me is very don't get me wrong i'm sort of i guess i'm i'm of the school of the writer and the artist when they're dead don't
1: really don't have don't, don't get a seat.
0: Yeah, as much of a say. Like, it's a very complex issue for the living, but at that point, they, you know, are are the people who get to decide what to do with it. Um, I just, I, I very much respected what I read, uh, albeit briefly, from, I think it's Mark Ditko, who mentioned that he was ambivalent about the process because he did want to respect his uncle's wishes, but um, he also felt that it was a little complex and complicated
1: you know Which uh, you know i think is i think it's fair yeah uh, oh you know? absolutely yeah so but yeah. but it's it's like i uh i see the outrage but also like i was saying like i i like you i guess I, I find it sort of difficult to to uh do more than observe the outrage well you know it's interesting because of course
0: you and i have argued repeatedly about things happening with living creators and their wishes and i think that's much more important and i i only mention this because i swear to god at I don't know, 5.02 p.m., I watched the Watchmen Comic-Con trailer, and I was like, Oh, yeah.
1: so 5.02 today? Yeah, 5.02 p.m. today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. When, in bo- uh, oh, when I, 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 I'm curious what you think. It's, did you see the uh, Lindelof's comments from the Television Critics Association tour? Unfortunately, I saw that at about 5.12 p.m. today. <laughs> so, so did you go from, oh, I'm interested to, oh, no. Yeah, basically. Basically, it uh, really you kills you. Did you see Lindelof's comments about Black Wall Street and ta Codes? uh no i did not that's the part that's got me interested even more than the trailer and i think the trailer looks good mm-hmm. but um he basically blundelof basically said like oh this is a series about waste supremacy
0: yes right and one <laughs> of
1: the things that i like is
0: that was conveyed relatively early on in
1: just like in the first teaser trailer yeah. everyone kind of went on-
0: yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. Some of the shots that they had of having you know white yahoos pull on Rorschach masks, it was kind of like, oh, okay, I got this as a shorthand.
1: And yeah, it's it's interesting. So he, uh, the Television Critics Association. Wow, that's hard to say. He he basically said like he was reading, uh, Tanahashi quotes and Tanahashi quotes mentioned Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. uh, and then he like looked into that. He was like, this is this is fascinating, and this this is what the show should be about because mm-hmm. it takes place in
2: 2019
1: mm-hmm. uh I, and the idea is it's you know 35 years after the original book or no when does the original watchman take place it was published in 86 but it takes place before that right uh i thought that i thought that Watchmen takes place in 84 i thought but maybe that's it's,
0: or maybe it is eighty two, eighty
1: four, eighty six. Shit, it's definitely mid eighties. Yeah, cause... it's slightly earlier than the book came out. I seem to remember. Well, might be...
0: let me think. Isn't Nixon in his third term, or is he like he's still there? Right, is, if he hasn't left, if he hasn't left, and it's still, but he didn't break the law and he's serving his second term. Yes,
1: literally, I'm looking up the the. It's got to be uh, 70. I looked up the Wikipedia and see, Uh 1985. It takes place in 1985. Okay, that's what I thought. I was sure it was 84, 85 because of some sort of reference in there. But um, it's so long. But, but he apparently said, uh, you know, if if we're adhering to the spirit of original Watchmen, original Watchmen was about, uh, you know, the, the threat of nuclear, nuclear annihilation, which is something that was – Present in the time and the culture when it was created, uh, and much more present. The culture now is is white supremacy, and so that's what the show has to be about. And I was like, that's really interesting. I am like between that and the trailer, I am I am like excited. I I'm, I'm willing, not only willing to give the show a chance, I'm rooting for its success. Of course. And then I, and then I saw the comments about uh, where he like actually calls Al Mur like a stand-in for his father, who he has a complicated relationship with, yeah. and talks about how you know. Alan Moore's punk and so he's being punked to Alan Moore and and saying fuck him he's going to do the book. Which on one hand, I know what he's saying. I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with what he's saying, but I know what he's saying. On the other hand, I think is arguably the worst way to try and say what he's saying. Uh yeah. No, I well you know? maybe. I don't even think it's a. I I oh, I don't know. What do you think is underneath that that is worth I mean... I, I think, and I might be far too charitable, mm-hmm. that he's making comments about the fact that Alnor worked with existing characters in, like, Miracle Man and Lost Girls and Lee McShirt and Gentleman mm-hmm. and Swamp Thing. uh, And just, like, did his own thing. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. But none of those came with the, shall we say, complicated baggage of Watchmen. Yes. <laughs> and also... <laughs> You know, even if you allow him the conceit of you know Alan Moore's disregarded original creator intent on his own works, mm-hmm. by which I mean uh, Lost Girl is certainly not in the spirit of of any of those original characters. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is certainly not in the spirit of those original characters. Um, even if you grant him that conceit, the whole thing about like it being punk rock. Mm-hmm. is just embarrassing mm-hmm. uh, especially considering like th- as many people pointed out it's the least punk rock thing in the world to say fuck you I'm going to do this spin off to make a lot of money for this massive corporation yeah men- entertainment conglomerate yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and and the, the whole Alan Moore is a stand in for my father who I have a complicated relationship thing is i mean it's so on the nose like it, you and i have talked before about how certain things in politics are so on the nose now mm-hmm. that you can't quite believe it's real mm-hmm. and like that an entertainment version of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean, i'm actually going to try and find the exact quote because it was oh absolutely god sick. oh yeah i mean you paraphrase it just well
0: enough i'm not sure that there's anything that that can be gleaned from the, but please do. All I know is that I read it and was just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's that's uh that's that's shit."
1: <laughs> As someone whose entire in- identity is based around a very complicated relationship with my dad, who I constantly need to prove myself to and never will, Alan Moore is now that surrogate. <laughs> He's like mm. I-, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's ugh, it's, no. I mean- no, no.
0: Wow. No. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> that's tough a thing, right? Yeah, that's that's a thing, and that really is. So at the moment, I'm like, I uh, you know, in my little lizard brain, I'm like, well, I'm already subscribed to HBO Go or now or I forget whichever one HBO
1: is Max. that. Oh what? no, HBO Go is the thing. HBO Max is the new streaming service, which. When we get back to Comic Con, I have to talk to you about something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you're yeah, I mean you're you're already suckling at the corporate teat of of well, AT T slash Time Warner. Yeah, you're supporting Alan Moore's subjugation, Jeff. It's yeah, it's pretty true. But of course, I'm sort of and like yes, oh, very that? punk rock it's very punk rock to subscribe yeah, yeah yeah it's very <laughs> punk rock to
0: subscribe to hbo go hey <laughs> yeah hey. yeah so so part of me is like but will they really know i'm like they measure all those metrics so i don't know i it's it's a shame because i really was i was like this looks yes i although i have to say the use of life on mars was a little uh 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 Little, also, a little too on the nose in the Comic Con trailer. I was like,
1: "Yeah," but to be fair, I find that's true of HBO trailers in general. Like what the Westworld trailer I seem mm-hmm. to remember had a really, really obvious musical choice as well. Oh, probably,
0: probably. I, I mean, honestly
1: can't remember what it was, but I remember being like, "Oh, okay."
0: It's not Old Town Road. I feel like it should be Old oh Town my God, Road for this No,
1: season. that would be amazing. Oh, okay. <laughs> is is there a... not another video head one? Oh, what is? That? I'm going to have to look this up now. But no, I, I feel. Uh, uh, come on, music, music. Uh, I'm I'm doing I'm doing the wrong. Oh, it's um, it's it's uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, how weird. Yeah, and I was like, mm, oof, really? Oof, mm-hmm. oof. Oof. On, the, on the plus
0: side, I was like, I was thinking during the talk amongst yourself stuff, where I was like, yeah, I really I really got a. a Edit this out to keep it moving, keep keep us sounding, you know, lively and, oh, and entertaining. But well, uh, but see, this is the best part, Graham. You literally turned it into Max Headroom while you were saying it. Like you, you were like, music, music. It's it's it's. I
1: was like, oh my god (laughs) i gotta
0: dig up some old art of noise track and well
1: oh god yes Mm -hmm. what's the art of noise track with max edrim on it though
0: uh ah, i can't remember the name of it it's
1: it's paranoia uh, something isn't it
0: uh it's not yeah paranoia no boy this is the part that's going to be entertaining um it's
1: called it is it's called paranoia
0: yeah look at the old man now uh yeah that's <laughs> we say that but a song that's literally 30 years old more than 30 years old I was That was like it's, it's an old fucking song i know because <laughs> i'm an old person graham I
1: was I was trying uh, to do I, something. I I had oh Jeff, yes. I had so many I am old bits of Comic Con this year. So oh, many. I, bet I was you did. talking I was talking to um, t- uh, another fortune for DHR and THR social media person who was there doing video.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And the realization that I was legitimately twenty years older than them. Oh god, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Was I mean honestly kind of shocking to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I was yeah. like, oh well that's right. Oh, that's right. I I am that old. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'll, I'll just... Oh, oh no. <laughs> the thing, thing I was going to mention when uh, we were talking about HBO and I was like, there's something I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may or may not have seen that Doom Patrol Season 2 was announced. Uh, the, no.
0: That's great, though. What a relief. It is.
1: Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. It's announced in partnership between DC Universe and HBO and Max. Interesting it will appear on both services. Oh. And in the publicity that they sent out for it, Mm -hmm. it was fairly explicit that the second series happened because of HBO Max's involvement. Oh, I think that
0: is quite believable. It's interesting. It's a a shame that that will not also happen with Swamp Thing, um, because uh, although I think that Doom Patrol really so far has been the uh,
1: critical breakout,
2: um, yes, but...
1: by, by far. hmm mm-hmm. uh, And honestly, w- what was great was, so I, because, like, reporters get the news ahead of time in Bargo right? Mm-hmm. So I knew, I knew from that morning that in Patrol Season 2 I was being announced the panel, and I'm in line for the panel. And standing right in front of me is the most amazing Cliff Steele cosplay. hmm You had told me it was the costume from the show I would have believed you. Jeff. Wow. Like, genuinely stunning. Mm-hmm. And they're he's there with his friends, and he's just like, oh, I just hope it comes back. And it took every ounce of strength not to be like, it's coming back. Yeah. I got good news for you. Yeah, You know? Like, just wait, like, half an hour and you'll find out. Mhm. Um. They also showed the, the first episode of the Harley Quinn cartoon. hmm I'm genuinely shocked how funny I found that. Huh. Interesting. Like, legitimately shocked how much I laughed during that episode. Huh. It is it's everything you expect it to be. Mm hmm. Which is to say, remember uh FX was making a, a Deadpool cartoon? Yes. It's that, but it's Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. And it is as you know, very relevant, very self aware, but also just funny. Hmm. And I was like, huh, shit. Okay then. <laughs> right, right. I guess I am going to be watching this. Huh. Um but the, the turnaround time was insane. They were like, we started writing this, you know, when Jeff Johns was still the chief creative officer of DC. Wow, like that was their announcement. That was their, that was their opener. They're like, how long has this been working? They're like, well, Jeff was still in charge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, he's been working on it since like 2016. Wow. Yeah.
0: Huh. huh. Well, that's that's very interesting. Um, it's also very interesting to hear Jeff Johns. Um, being used as kind of a
1: marker. <laughs> he's, a, he's a benchmark of time now. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is I, really interesting. Like, uh, like just that—that that is a clear delineation point. And it's like,
1: oh. well, no, and also they on the panel they—I—I I don't think they meant to do this at all. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually something that like came out by accident. Mm-hmm. Talked about like when Jeff Johns was the chief creative officer, he gave them literally no creative limits he was like just make a funny show the end you can have whatever characters you want just make a funny show right like i don't care what's in it as long as it's funny and then like and this is after they've shown the the episode and the the next question is more or less like what did dc think when they saw it (laughs) and the answer was "Jim Lee asked if we could cut down the number of times people say fuck Mm. because i mean it's not a show you could show your child unless your child is perfectly happy with swearing. Jeff, it's foul. Wow. And they weren't they said, um, yeah, we, we had a fuck cap put on us with uh, after we got the, after we delivered the pilot. Hmm. Number of times we could say a fucking an episode, and they're like, That's a shame because we had a script in development where there would have been a fuck every minute. <laughs> <laughs> and like we had to rewrite that script. Wow, that's a bummer. It oh. is right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently it's like eight. Apparently they can only do eight fucks an episode or something like there.
0: Hmm. Well, it's a half hour episode, right? So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not even that. It's like twenty minutes. Oh well, there. I mean, it's close to every other minute. Then I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly every. Yeah. yeah, but it's it beats uh, one every three minutes. So. Wow. Well, Graham, I have to say that was not the news. I did not know that news at a Comic Con, and not, I was
1: did not see that coming. I did not. I did not. The, the like, it was, it was always a plus of Comic-Con is seeing lots of people, like, seeing lots of friends. Right. Um, Mike Mulder from 2000AD is just a lovely human being, had a really good dinner with him on the Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, and he revealed a shocking thing to me. Yes. Jeff, do you watch The Great British Bake Off? I do not. I do not. Oh. Uh, yeah. Then I will see this for the small, actually, maybe not small, crossover of whatnots who both know what 2080 is and both watch The Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Mike Mulder, the PR droid, droid, from 2080, knows Kim Joy from The Great British Bake Off. Really? Like... Yeah. You see, you don't even know who that is. No. So she came in second in like maybe the last season? Mm-hmm. And for people who watch the show, like, she's, she's one of those, like, personalities on the show. Do you know what I mean? She's one of those people that you watch and not, not just contestants. You're like, oh, I, I feel like I know exactly who this person is. And the idea that the two of them know each other is one of those worlds colliding things for me. Right. Where you're just like, (laughs) Like, this might be a highlight of a convention for me. Uh, also highlight was seeing Patrick Williams who does YouTube videos about films who I, I love. I like I love his work, I really like him. But he tried to talk I think I don't think I said it on the podcast, but I definitely told you how much I hate the film Midsummer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He tried to talk me into liking Midsummer by telling me that it was the greatest Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory film ever made. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, Jeff, that actually did make me like it a bit more. <laughs> Because he explained what he meant afterwards, and I was like, shit, you're right.
0: Wow. Well, that's interesting. I still haven't seen so, that film, in part because so, of how much you liked it, but
1: okay. Hmm, anyone mind. who's seen Midsommar and is wondering what his logic was, it was annoying children go to a place and are told there are strict rules and disobey the rules, and terrible things happen to them as a result.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I can see that from the trailer. Like, yeah, exactly. You're like, well shit. Yeah. <laughs> it is the only in the chocolate factory film. Huh. Uh, very
1: interesting. That's hilarious. Um... Uh, I did Batman Experience, which was the, the like the off site yes. Batman museum thing. Right. Um which honestly like is fine if you love Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, uh like they had a lot they had a lot of Movie props, TV props, costumes, yada yada. Mm-hmm. They had they had actually a great thing where it was a display of the various Batman video games throughout the years, oh, and it, they were all playable. Mm-hmm. So you could like spend your afternoon just playing like you know the 1989 Batman video game, oh, man. <laughs> which is kind of great. Like it's legitimately kind of great. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they had they had some original art, but not as much as I was hoping for. To be honest, I was kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had. The, the wind tunnel craziness which a you couldn't get me to do even at the best of times because i would have screamed and probably vomited but b you definitely couldn't have got me to do because it was the loudest thing on the fucking planet yeah yeah it must be so is it one of those was, things where you jump
0: into the thing and it holds you aloft or so i yes, don't know yes, okay
1: uh-huh. yes yes it is. except you do it with a vr helmet on Ah. Uh, so it makes you think that you're batman and like you're jumping through the the skies of gotham wow Hmm. um but apparently it took forever apparently you had to do like two test runs and have a safety video (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and secondly like it was so loud jeff it was so loud that because that was outside Mm -hmm. right right maybe let's say like 20 paces from the museum Mm-hmm. inside the museum in the basement you could hear whenever anyone was doing it wow, Jesus it was God. That loud, Like music and everything and we were like okay, that's a really loud thing <laughs> yeah that's, that, I guess someone's pretending to be Batman right now right, right was that
0: well received? You made it sound like DC was putting a certain amount of apples in the cart for the Batman VR uh,
1: experience I, but... I believe it did what they wanted it to do mhm which is to say, it was, uh, I think it was really successful to get, like, media coverage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I think a lot of camera crews did, did, like, you know, Comic-Con reports and things from there. Right. And understandably, like, you know, where else are you going to get to shoot something in front of the giant, like, the Penguin's giant duck mobile from Batman Returns? You right. know? Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and it was definitely, I think it was full every day. I mm-hmm. think, like, it, it hit its, its, its quota every day of people. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a visitor I was underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. So,
0: uh were the were the crowds? I mean, I kind of got the feeling that people had made noises like uh at, le-
1: at the very least
0: Hollywood had somewhat cooled on the San Diego Comic-Con this experience? Was very
1: much, this was very much a Comic-Con of transition. And like we've had them before, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can feel like no one's quite knowing what's going on. Uh, someone, and I can't remember who it was, someone said to me, maybe on the f- Thursday or the Friday, that two years from now Comic-Con is only going to be about television. hmm mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like that was already happening. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, outside of Marvel no one really broke big Hollywood news Mm -hmm. like I think the only actual surprise apart from Marvel's announcements was Tom Cruise showing up to show the the Top Gun trailer off Mm -hmm. you know I think that was it um But there was a lot – like, Hall H did not have that many movie panels, but did have a lot of television, Mm. like an exceptional television, Mm. including a Game of Thrones panel that was apparently horrific. Yes, that's kind of – that did –
0: I think I did see uh, losers and winners of San Diego Comic-Con, and apparently that panel was picked as the loser. They
1: were booed, and they ended early. Wow, they were booed.
0: Really? Well, you may or may not know. The
1: showrunners like dropped out two days well, before the show. That's
0: what I heard. So part of me is like, why I like I'm like, are you booing because the showrunners aren't there? Or I mean, I they're... think I think
1: they were booing because they didn't
0: like the end of the show. Well, I get that, but it's like literally everyone else on the panel couldn't have done anything about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... The
1: showrunners dropped out and the director of the, the big battle episode dropped out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That. Yeah, but apparently they were booed, and apparently, like, they ended early, and they ended early, yeah. like, really obviously, like, they ended like fifty minutes early, and we're like, we're out of time. and didn't <laughs> take any questions. <laughs> right, and everyone was like, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're just not out of time. Ooh. Wow. That yeah. sounds um, horrible. No, it, it's, there, there was a lot of television there this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, comics was 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 fairly minimal. It felt like mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. but at the same time. I feel like the the crowds were definitely different this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday felt like they had far fewer cosplays than normal.
3: Hmm.
1: Like, noticeably so. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, a lot of fucking cosplay. Mm -hmm. But the majority of cosplay was movies and TV. Not comic characters, not animated characters. It felt like the most popular cosplay I saw was Steve from Stranger Things, and he scoops a hoy out of it. Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, which was kind of shocking to me because I was like, how quickly have you fucking watched that show? Yeah, right. Um, Because I I felt like it only came out like the week before the show, but Mm -hmm. there you go. Mm -hmm. I say that as someone who watched like all of the boys in the last 24 hours. Did you really? Oh my god. We'll we'll get to that later as well. Um, Yeah, the the cosplay was different. The cosplay was noticeably down on on Thursday, Friday. Um, But the comics areas felt busier this year to me.
0: Oh, that's good. I was going to ask. Did
1: you talk to, you know, uh, I don't know. I talked, to, are... I talked to a bunch of. I talked to a bunch of people. Um, you know, t- I talked to like, for example, Drawn and Quarterly, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, this is another great show for us. Oh, like, Comic Con is really good for us." Fascinatingly enough, they sold out of Moomin stuff. Was the first thing they sold out of. Oh. Huh. Uh, and they, they were really surprised about that. And we were like, well, there's a cartoon, but it's not even on in America. Like, why why is Moomins selling it? Um, They had a great, holy shit, drawing and Gordley. A, had the Kevin Hussenga book. Early mm. Cups, the Kevin Hussenga book, which Jeff is stunning. Ah, uh, I'm uh, you, super like you, you remember, envious. You remember his Ganges series, right? Yes. So it's a compilation of work from Ganges and then an expansion of that. Wow. Do you remember the issue where he can't sleep? Yes. It's essentially that expanded. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, and it's, I mean, it's genuinely stunning. It's breathtaking work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, I mean, it's, it's one of the things I've always liked about Hizenga as a creator is he's very formalist, but not at the expense of the, the humanity of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like Glenn has an emotional honesty to him mm-hmm. that, for example, something like Chris Ware's characters don't. Mm-hmm. Um or for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, The River Night is 100% that. Mm-hmm. The River Night is like the book that's basically going to make, him go, make people go, oh, that's right. This guy's actually amazing, and we've kind of slept on him up until now. Right. If right. It, it does look like a breakthrough book. Um, and they, like, John Quarterly's announcements for next year are just fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, New Adrian Tomini. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a memoir of his career in comics.
0: Oh, right. They had the um, pages from his San Diego Comic-Con experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Out. Apparently, he had a uh, he had a medical event, mm-hmm. I believe they're just mystically called, and someone in the hospital where he's being treated was like, aren't you that cartoonist? Don't you do comics? And apparently, he was like so freaked out at that uh-huh. that he, he ended up in a spiral of like, have I wasted my life doing comics? And this book is a result of that. Hmm. Which you know, I'm very curious to see. Apparently, also it's his funniest book. what I'm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, There's that. There's new Tom Gould. There's uh, new uh, or new old uh, Lisa Hannibal. They're publishing a collection of her mini comics. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's new Eleanor Davis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like for Eleanor Davis's first full-length graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's new Linda Barry. Like their 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 panel was just like honestly them reading out the catalog for the most part yeah almost everything they came out with you're like well shit yeah I well, can't wait shit. to get my hand on well, that shit. yeah uh-huh. yeah, like to almost everything hmm. um, they're doing oh god I've, have I deleted my notes from the panel I'm fairly sure I have because um, if I, I still have the notes from their panel because they're publishing two Japanese things uh, in particular that I was like, oh, they, these seem sound like big deals, and yet I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I let's see if I have made a note, and let's see if I can then mangle the names. Sounds good. Are you ready for mangling names? I am. Uh, um, mangling manga with Graham McMillan. Yoshiharasuke or Suge, T S U G E. Uh huh. The Swamp, which is the first book in a seven-book collection. Wow. They're doing, uh, it's short stories, I think, and they're doing the entire run, one a year. Hmm. Uh, The guy who did Uncomfortably Happy, Yoon Sik Hong, Mm -hmm. has a new book called Uma's Table, Hmm. which is, uh, it it sounds honestly very close to a cooking manga. Um, R. is doing The Constitution Illustrated, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, Oh, Sarita Kuniko. The sky is blue with a single cloud. She was the first female contributor to Garrow. Is that correct? Have I mistry- mis no, I trans- would say you're basically right, yeah. Uh, in 1965, hmm. she started contributing at age 18. Wow. This, this book is going to be her first English language collection, and it is the best of her short stories from a career that started in 1965. So it's wow. probably going to be good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's coming spring next year Hmm. um so yeah they had they had an amazing panel but they said they'd had a really good show um phantom graphics had a good show image apparently had a very good show Hmm. Uh, i ran into kata image and she was like we've had a a really 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 strong show oh that's great we've done really well here Mm -hmm. um i didn't meet anyone at marvel because but the marvel was always like crazily busy so you like who can tell? And, again, the Marvel booth is always busy for the weirdest reasons. You we haven't <laughs> been in a few years. No, but, okay, so here's what happens to the Marvel booth. The Marvel booth is a relatively small footprint. Right. And it's a big screen with a stage where they will do, yeah. like, cast of TV shows or whatever, will go up and do a thing, or they'll have, like, you know, again, games, or they'll do, like, you know, here's an artist. He's going to draw a Deadpool. Right. And so they're, they're a large portion of the booth is the audience for that which just doesn't move right at the same time there's also a signing table mm-hmm. which is on the corner mm-hmm. but there's also a section so you can put on vr helmets and pretend to be iron man and there's also a section where you can get your photograph taken with like a spider-man shoe or something someone's doing huh well, that's weird. and it was like this booth's always busy but I, I like I literally don't know how much of this is comics right Right. You no? Know? Yeah. Like it's it's impossible to tell how mm-hmm. much of this is comics. Um the DC booth was all mobs about the same time, like it's Warren Brothers in DC and you know it's it as much as anything, I wouldn't be surprised if people were there for the oddity of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Like here I am, I'm waiting line to get Tom King's something signed by Tom King. Oh, here's James McAvoy promoting it. <laughs> <laughs> people just be like, Okay, sure and now I'm gonna get my photo taken on the the couch in Central Park. <laughs> okay um uh this was the most money i've ever spent at comic-con mm-hmm. hmm. uh, in large part because ken williams was selling his life drawings for a hundred dollars oh holy shit and I, I couldn't not get a life drawing from ken williams completely yeah i love ken williams like mm-hmm. i love ken williams the most surreal aspect of that was looking through his portfolio mm-hmm. and like and it's just beautiful drawing after beautiful drawing after beautiful drawing and i'm literally saying out loud this is far too cheap this is far too cheap this is insane like ken williams is as a fine artist like can sell paintings for you know an extortionate amount of money and you're life drawing studies for these paintings Mm -hmm. and they're a hundred dollars each jeff (laughs) um and i'm going my fourth and this person's like you know hey you know are you are you thinking about bang and i'm like yeah and i'm talking to him i'm literally like halfway through the conversation i'm like Dad's ken williams i'm actually talking to ken williams about his work right now. holy shit yeah it, everything i had not to lose my shit yeah yeah that's crazy right yeah. i mean absolutely nuts mm-hmm. um also i saw a piece of quote-unquote original kirby mm. uh that had just been bought by a dealer and hadn't even been priced yet, but they were thinking it was going to go between seven and ten thousand dollars. Um, it was, Jeff. This is nuts, and you'll like. I find this nuts for my fandom, but I think you'll find it nuts as well. It was not original art; it was Xerox and photocopied, pasted down, and coloured over. But it was the presentation board for New Gods. Oh, wow! Wow! Yeah. yeah. And literally it's right there in front of me. (laughs) And I'm talking to the dealer and they're like, Yeah, we've got we've got to find out like who colored it because we're not sure that that Kirby colored it. Mm And then and I was like, Oh, who do you think colored it if not Kirby? And they're like, We think it's Don Heck. Hmm. And I was like, So fucking what? Kirby (laughs) (laughs) Carpenter. Like that's amazing. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's a fucking presentation board for new gods.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: insane yeah just insane literally like it's propped up on a desk <laughs> do you know what I mean? and you're yeah. like that is literally comics history mhm mhm literally comics history right there um mike royer was there oh wow yeah right mm-hmm. um yeah it was it's one of those it this was also the busiest comic con I've done in years mhm uh i only really got to do the show floor kind of on preview night but even then i was mostly saying hello to people mm-hmm. um and sunday morning the rest of it i barely got to do the show floor because i was right. so busy yeah. and i would be like it would be the the it was like old comic con of starting work at six like going to show doing everything doing something at night you right. know which is technically socializing but also kind of isn't socializing right and then getting back to the hotel at 10 and then working through to like one mm you know, which honestly I haven't done for like two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. And this year I was like, I don't like, why is this? Why is this show so busy? I don't know. Mm. Um, I did the Warner Brothers party on the when, on the Friday rather, which is always fun. If you want to see the cast of Riverdale looking very confused as to why they're there. (laughs) highlight of that for me, might've been Josh Williamson and Tom Taylor. I will be polite and say both of whom had clearly had something to drink.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but within maybe thirty seconds of Josh being like, "We're both in Portland. Why do we never see each other?" (laughs) He and Tom Taylor were talking exclusively in Hamilton quotes. Oh, good God! Really? Oh
0: my Lord!
1: I was on a thing. Right, I tried to be like, "You have to stop."
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I've realized
1: what you're doing, and you have to stop. (laughs) Oh no. No, no, no. Yeah. Wow. That's yes. hilarious. Um Yeah, it was it but it was weird. Like it was a weird show for that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like there was lots of things that were just unusual but fun. As in addition to just being like stressful, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to say this before, like when I was talking about PR people getting getting frazzled. Uh Marvel sends out embargoed news ahead of time. And it's like they send out you they normally send out like a week before the show. Mm-hmm back and you can you can clarify things and everything they sent out the day of the show oh jesus christ there was a double embargo inside there Mm. which was like because you know it's like on thursday we'll be announcing do not uh, do not report until blah on friday we'll be announcing do not report until blah right the hickman panel it literally said we will not even send this out until saturday wow like we will be announcing something we're not even going to tell you about it until saturday but also marvel got their own news wrong oh god which is which is a sign about how frazzled they were yeah they got two things, like, just wrong. Hmm. Um, and then it was correct to the panel, mm-hmm. but in the embargo, it was wrong. Wow. And I was like, okay, this, like, clearly people are just really frazzled this year. Clearly people are just, like, really, really playing catch-up.
0: Yeah, that sounds – it sounds like San Diego catch-up. It just sounds like everybody was a little half-step behind in some yes, ways.
1: Yes, every- everyone seemed surprised that it was actually happening then and not the following week. Right.
3: Huh. Wow.
1: You know? Uh, but it was, I mean, it's San Diego. It's such a, it's such a thing, right? We're like, you know, by Friday night, you feel like you've always lived at San Diego Comic-Con. Right. Um, and then by like today, for example, I can't believe that it's only been a week since San Diego Comic-Con. Hmm. Like, I feel like it's been over for a month. Mm-hmm. But I was still there. Like, this time last week, I was in the DC Universe panel. Right, right. You know? Good grief. But it feels it feels like it's been a month. Yeah. But again, like, when you're there, especially because, and I was saying this to someone during the show, the difference between San Diego and New York is not the size of the show. Mm-hmm. The difference between San Diego and New York is that New York has better things to do with its time than pander to a Comic-Con and San Diego doesn't. <laughs> so you're at Comic-Con and within, like, a block, you could pretend there isn't a Comic-Con happening. Oh, completely, yeah. yeah and yeah, you yeah. cannot leave San Diego Comic-Con and forget there's a Comic-Con happening. Yeah, yeah. Because San Diego, like, just plasters itself with, like, oh, we fucking read a comic once. Look, I'm painted green. Guess I'm the Hulk. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, what it's it's <laughs> what? it's awfully wacky but because of that you never leave the con mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you're always at san diego comic-con mm-hmm. you're like i you know it's it's nine o'clock and i am fucking starving i haven't had anything to eat since breakfast or because i me i forgot to eat breakfast and lunch one day jesus and like. At like five o'clock, and I was like, "I've not eaten any food today. This is bad." Oh, Graham, that's that is is so insane. not good. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But no, you so you're like, you know, I've just got to leave and get some food. Just, just gotta, gun, gun, going it. Like the gas lamp's right there. Right. I'm gonna leave and get some food. And you're literally like, you know, you walk in past someone who's cosplaying like the 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 woman at the front with the telling you how you know where to sit, mm-hmm. is cosplaying as, like, Valkyrie or something. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, oh, oh, God, that's right. Yeah, there is <laughs> Every, no escape. Everywhere is, now. everywhere is Comic-Con in San Diego. Yeah. And honestly, in New York, you literally go a block, and no one could give a flying fuck that Comic-Con <laughs> is at. which is which is great yeah no
0: absolutely absolutely
1: yeah you know so so many people complain about new york comic-con saying like you know oh the java center is in the middle of nowhere a it's not first of all and b it's great because it's almost like a quarantine area it kind of is a quarantine
0: area yeah that's sadly true i think i don't know the java center jesus
1: ah yeah uh, I'm. So anyway, I, I think that's all the all the Comic Con stories, but Jeff, I have things to tell you off the air. Just <laughs> you wait.
0: <laughs> I don't doubt it, dear God. Well, listen. On that note, it's uh, it's it's about an hour six in. Even after I do some trimming, it won't be much. Uh, why don't I call you back in like two minutes
1: and we'll we'll go for round two? Yes, and we'll talk about the boys, which I like. I said. Binged in a day, boy. I liked so much. I started reading the comics again. Really? Oh my god!
0: that there's is. there's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Let's we'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> wow! And so we're back, ladies and gentlemen, after after a frankly rousing and unexpected cliffhanger. Uh...
1: <laughs> okay. Have you watched any of the books? I have not. I have not. I am going to be. I, I think this comes as absolutely no surprise to anyone who's ever heard me talk about this, the comic on, on the podcast. I was not expecting a lot of the show. I feel like the show is literally, and uh, this is going to be almost cruel in terms of how mean it is. What happens is, if you let an actual writer who's interested in characters <laughs> miss the boys, it's actually it's kind of amazing. Also, what's really amazing to me is seeing people on social media going, it's it's relatively faithful adaptation. Is it fuck? Not in the slightest. Really interesting. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's so not faithful. In that, I. It's rare that something saying like you know, based on, has been both most accurate and least accurate. Interesting. There are characters with the same names. Uh huh. Some of them have a similar motivation. Right. That's about as far as it goes. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's for my money drastically different, but I liked it so much that I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to get all the books out of Hoopla and I'm going to, maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'll revisit. And almost immediately it was just like, no, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> These are like as, you know, homophobic, misogynistic, like, you know, gross-out comedy as I remember. Well, it gets and, and the show is in it in this place. as you know i ended up being pretty impressed with the boys uh i mean i mean i'm i'm gonna reread the whole thing and, and i'm currently around issue whatever whenever the g-man arc is i just finished the g-man arc oh yeah that's that's like 30 or something yeah 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 exactly
0: exactly yeah it's uh, uh that, that's really fascinating i'm surprised that uh i'm i'm really glad that it worked for you i have not
1: tried it i may it, or may it, it not it works it works. Uh, it works honestly, surprisingly well for me. Not only given that it's um, it's it's the boys which I did not like, right? But uh, it's Eric Kripke who's doing who's in charge. Uh, he's a supernatural guy, right? He's the guy who came up with Supernatural, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know Supernatural's never really worked for me either. Oh, interesting. Huh. So I was I was like, huh? Uh, you know, I know he's a massive Thanos fan because I mm-hmm. talked to him when he launched whatever his vertical comic was. Um I honestly don't remember it was Jacked, I think it might have been called. Mm. Um but I talked to him then and he was like upfront and being like, no Garth Ennis is like it for comics for me. Like I fucking love Garth Ennis' work. Hmm. Um but it really like it honestly feels like it's a series that does lots of things that honestly Ennis as a writer is not interested in mm. as much Santa. Mm-hmm. But something that looks at the comic and goes, oh, wait, but, but what if we did this instead?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, for example, it is as much Starlight's story as it is Huey's.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, dramatically so. Mm. All of the seven, with the exception of um, the Homelander, are fairly drastically reimagined. Hmm. Uh, None more so than The Deep, who Mm -hmm. is one of the primary characters in the show, Mm -hmm. uh, and Queen Maeve, who is an entirely different character. Hmm. Entirely different character. Could not be less like her comic book incarnation. Hmm. Um, The motivation behind Butcher is different. Wow, that's amazing. Really? The Mallory backstory is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mother's milk is different. In fact, all of the all of the main characters, with the exception of Huey, are I would say dramatically changed hmm. uh, from the from the comic. Huey is only dramatically changed insofar as he's not Scottish. Right. I mean, he, he's like he's surface chain like he's surface different, mm-hmm. but you can see like a through line in a way that, like, I mean. Uh, Frenchie is is a- astonishingly different. Hmm. Uh, the female is, is very, very different. Uh, to give you an idea of how different it is, the show is basically the origin of the boys as a group. Hmm. Like the first season is basically how they came to work together. Huh. The female is not even in the first four or five episodes.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Huh. So as as in, how do I put it, instead of having uh, the event for Huey...
1: Uh, is, no, the event for Huey is the one thing that is fairly uh, authentic to the comics.
0: Right, I, sorry, but I mean like... And that's what gets him involved with the boys, but the boys have already formed. Like he's yes. the new person in the unit. Yes, is which that... is not the case here. Oh, okay, so they more or less come together at the same time sort
1: of thing. They he uh it's not really spoiling anything. He is basically um he is recruited by Butcher. Mm-hmm. There has been an earlier version of the boys. Right. Which right. did Mallory and Butcher mm-hmm. and Mother's Milk. Hmm. But that version is no longer together. Hmm. And for that matter, Mother's Milk does not want anything to do with Butcher hmm. as a result of what happened earlier. Hmm. A Frenchie is not connected to that group whatsoever. Hmm. And the female is not connected to any of them hmm. at the start of the show. Huh. And also, like I, I genuinely like my my memories of the latter part of the series. Honestly, are like I with the the G Man arc, which is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's pretty much the last I remember of the comic. I it may you know, I don't know if you pressed on much past it. I remember I came back for the last arc. Oh, okay. But I think I did drop out and then come back. Yeah. Um. But like, for example, when the female gets a backstory and a name mm-hmm. in the show. I was like, that's different. Like, yeah. did they get around to in the comic? I do not recall, but, uh,
0: you know, because cause it's been such a long time. Yeah, well, it's just
1: happened. The comic is, what, 15 years old? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like I read it relatively, com- quote unquote, comparatively recently within the last five years, but it was on the far end of that, so I'm like, I feel like she sort of maybe got but no, there was there wasn't really much definition. I felt like her and Frenchie ended up as the flattest characters by far. Um I, I feel that's relatively intentional. Yes. No, I think so as well. I think so as well. They they play they play types and they also have there's a degree of well like you said there there's sort of that thing that that Ennis has about um characterization which is it can only go so far I like it can only go deep if the character is a shit basically you yeah, know yeah. and because they're Frenchy and uh the female are not like they they're they're used in a way like Frenchy stuff, which I remember is, a, you know, closer to to sort of goofy over the top stuff layered with a certain element of. Uh... Yeah, it's just it's it, you know, it's 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 sort of motivating sentiment. Then in a way, as the series goes on, it they get maneuvered a little closer to being. I guess, fodder, in a
1: way. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a, it's really interesting what they do with the characters for me. Right. And part of it is, I feel like it answers a lot of concerns I have about the characters and about the comic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel the TV show is, it's much quicker in getting to the, no butcher is actually really fucked up, and other people recognize this.
3: Because mm.
1: um, the comic doesn't get around to that for a long time. In part because, like, Ennis is in love with that archetype, right? You know,
0: okay. so one of the things I think is really interesting, as I talked about a million years ago, is um, the the, by for me, the ending of The Boys is a very, very huge dissection of the meta of Ennis's take on these things. And I I don't know, I feel like I'm repeating myself because I feel like this was something that I might have mentioned you know, on, on the most recent rock, but I feel that how much of a shit butcher is, and how how much Ennis's feelings fall on condemning him or embracing him, uh, is we at a certain point weirdly becomes the main narrative tension of the book, and mm. by the end he goes to great lengths i feel at a subtextual level to be like no i do not approve of this one of the things that is interesting and frustrating about it is it it it, is as with ennis he I think he's a relatively, you know, I think he, he as a person would like to think of himself as a decent human being and knows what decent human beings are supposed to believe and believe. But even still, even when he's at his most condemnatory at toward the end with Butcher and he makes it very, he he threads it so through with the idea that that idea is supposed to be there all along um, it's like the, you know, the lips say no, but the eyes say yes, yes,
1: yes. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, yeah. as someone rereading this book now, I, I don't believe that he is always intending to condemn Butcher. Like, uh, I,
0: yeah, I can, I get it, that, uh, I do get that, but no, I think that I, I and who knows, I mean, maybe I, he changed his that, tune, but yeah.
1: No, but also, like, I know that by the end, like, it's very clear that Butcher's a mess, right? Uh, yeah. and, and that, and that Ennis is, is not going like, this is a hero, but nonetheless, like El- Ennis has uh, enough of a history of uh, how do I put this? The hard man as hero. Oh, of course. No, 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 absolutely. That that, that, that I feel that the TV show. I mean, especially because the TV show is only eight episodes long, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, by episodes, I mean really by early on, like by the first half, you can tell that like Butcher's a mess, mm-hmm. but like by the end of the, the first season everyone is aware of that and everyone is aware of the fact like he has no objectivity and that he, like he is he is he's you know trouble he, he is as much trouble as anyone else around him right um and what's really interesting is the changed backstory for butcher mm-hmm Allows for, I, and there's a uh, the change backstory is for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And and it's it's really a change shared backstory between him and and uh, uh, God, I gotta kind of remember the, the the Superman analog's name.
0: Oh, right, Uh, the Jesus, the Overlander, the... Yeah, yeah, whatever. Homelander? Homelander? Homelander.
1: Yeah, Homelander. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it's obviously a shared backstory for them, right? Because in the comic, they share a backstory. So if you change Butcher's backstory, you've changed Homelander's too. Um, Right. The change is at once minor, Mm -hmm. and... Like, so dramatic that it alters the entire fabric of the show. Hmm. And if they do a second season, it can't be anything like the comic. Mm-hmm. Wow. It just can't. Like, hmm. at all. Because they have undone the show. Hmm. Wow. That's really bold. Um... I mean, I, I like. I want to spoil it for you because I don't know if you're ever going to watch it. I, pr- I,
0: I might now. The fact that it's eight episodes and I mean, it's not long.
1: I legitimately started watching it last night because I didn't want to do anything today other than sit down and relax from from San Diego. Sure. I managed to watch the rest of it this morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: we'll see. I give it. I give it even odds. Let's. We'll come back and visit on a on a non drock and see, and then you can we can sort of go the rest of the
1: distance with it
0: and hopefully by that point you'll have read the rest of the series and that will allow you a certain degree of
1: it, it's funny because like i know where the series is going as a as a comic i mean i know mm-hmm. where the comic series is going um and honestly at times in these first 30 issues which is like half the book mm-hmm. um it's a struggle to keep going because that book is just yeah like I understand that Ennis is like it even says in the, the the introduction for the first collection, like he's trying to quote out preacher preacher,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like I take that to mean like you know out gross out humor. Yeah, but that shit's hard to read. Yep. Yeah. I mean, really, legitimately hard to read. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's I I think it's it, it's it's a weird it's a weird mix. Also, I think that there's. Um... God help him because I do feel from everything that i've seen uh Derek Robertson is a huge huge fan of of ennis's work and and uh, considers him like a close friend and you know like ta- has talked in interviews about how collaborating with him means a lot to him uh, I feel the series um, gets Better as when when Robertson goes. Yeah, when he contributes less, which is which is in a way is is a shame because they did co-create the book together. Um, but it but it's also true that I think the problem with the boys is for me in those early issues in particular is, um, well it's it's just the fact of you know Robertson. There, For me, Ennis' number one issue is I basically f- think that that dude is genuinely disgusted by sex. And it makes for a strange experience when it's paired with an artist who thinks that it's really funny to draw bare tits and butts on everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Although- I just got past the John Higgins guest illustrated issue. And it right. was one of those moments where I was like, has this man really never seen a woman naked? Right. Yeah. Like, it, cause it's like things like that don't help the comic. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when the comic is this weird gross out humor book about someone who is really hung up on sex. Yeah. And, and hung up on like relationships. And honestly, like seems weirdly hung up on homosexuality. Yeah. Like then when you get a comic that comic illustrated by people who do seem to think that like just drawing a naked woman is somehow being bold. But also, drawing a naked woman as if they've never actually seen real breasts. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like a whole ball of like, oh no. Right. So it's been, really, it's been really funny, like, revisiting this comic after watching the show and being like, I like this show. Oh, but the source material, though.
0: yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that that is that is super problematic. That actually reminded me of something else. Oh right. I mean, the thing that is also a shame and super sucks is uh I mean, female representation in the boys is not good. And Oh no,
1: it's it's a disaster.
0: And by the time you get to the end and it's like this is love story romance story is basically screwed up like literally seems without being aware of it to be lifting from the last third of chasing amy you're just like Ugh, no you're ah <laughs> you know what i mean like that's kind of again it's it's
1: super problematic there which is why it's so interesting for me that the show basically is as much starlight story right as Huey's well well and... yeah right Turns Mave into a character yeah because yeah, yeah, Maeve yeah. isn't a character in the comic oh that's interesting i sort of felt that she does she become one in the second half because in the first half she's literally someone who exists to drink a lot and occasionally fuck oh uh yeah i don't know like she maybe gets there, a scene it's dramatic change yet? yeah because it's like she it's it's astonishing yeah and it's all you know what is actually fascinating to me? In the so I'm reading the I'm reading it on Hoopla and I'm reading the Omnibus collections, which is like the latest edition, right? And it's got Scott Dunbeer's introduction in Volume One, mm-hmm. where he reveals, and I didn't know this: The Boys was originally pitched as a DC Universe series. Good lord!
0: Wow! I knew it yeah. was a DC. It was a DC series before it ended up over at Dynamite. But...
1: Well, yeah. Well, no, it was it was published under Wildstorm for six yeah, issues, right? Right. But it was pitched as a DC Universe series. Wow. Where the seven would be the justice league and apparently to deal was like nope but why don't you do crater world Wildstorm? <laughs> right huh um yeah which sort of which
0: sort of makes sense i mean some of the analogs are really right there and then it allows them i mean and that's it maybe ennis was well, I mean, aiming this, this, for seven yeah. yeah well
1: the seven is directly the Justice League. Yeah, very much so. You know, like, yeah. very clear. And the same as, like, you know, the G-Men are clearly the X-Men. And so, because the analogs are so direct, yeah, it feels like it's intentional. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, one of these sh- books where you're reading and they're like, we're not related to any superhero series. Like, yes. that's definitely not Superman. That's Overman. He's completely different. Sure he's an alien who comes from a different, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it, feels, it, it feels intentional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's. I'm I'm very curious what you think of the TV show, especially because looking on social media, people who like the comic don't like the show. Uh, it's funny. I felt like it. I seemed like it split the. I felt like
0: the difference was split, but maybe I'm completely wrong.
1: So I haven't because seen much. Pe- anyone who wants a, a faithful adaptation is shit out of luck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just I'm sorry. That's that's. It's nowhere near. Hmm. You know. Um but I I liked it.
3: Well that's great. Uh a
1: really? shocking. Again,
0: just shocking. Gramp, uh I'm going to take this minute to sort of hijack the conversation and mention Please do. Uh people I mean there's there's actually a, a variety of things that I sort of kind of half had marked off. But I did want to mention for people who go to Amazon Prime and make it a point to watch the boys, if you hang out while you're there. Uh, Andrew Garfield stars in a film called, uh, Under the Silver Lake, which I always, uh, Edie and I have been semi-obsessed by in the sense of we saw the trailer in theaters maybe two or three years ago and it never got a theatrical release, you know, so it seemed. We were like, when's that damn thing coming out? For whatever reason, it stuck, um, Ironically enough, when we were in Japan, we were walking through a neighborhood and passed by a movie theater where it was playing, and we were like, "Oh my god, should we go? Should we should we try and watch this now? This may be it our speaks. own chance." Yeah, you know. But uh, it says something about how incredibly fond I was of Japan that I think that might be the only foreign country that I've been in where I did not go and see a movie. Is that true? Uh, anyway, so uh, under the silver lake is on. As far as I can tell, uh, people were not enamored by it. It 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 is the um, follow-up movie from the guy who directed It Follows, who I hate to say it. I only think of him as the guy who directed It Follows. His name is David Robert Mitchell. <laughs> and one of the okay. things that I really like about Under the Silver Lake is on the one hand, it is a very, 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 very goofy movie about um for lack of a better term an l a noir and um uh abe saw it and was pretty underwhelmed uh and that's the only person I can find who has really seen it like I said, a lot of people on Metacritic seem pretty eh about it, but if you are the sort of person that likes a movie um Like some of my other movie recommendations, I liked it a tremendous deal. Uh, It did a really interesting form of – I mean, it's about a slacker in Los Angeles who sort of falls in love with his next-door neighbor, and she – After spending the night together hanging out, she disappears the very next day and he believes she is kidnapped. And all of his attempts to find out what happened to her leads to larger and larger and more and more bizarre uh, conspiracy theories. And it takes place in a very dreamlike Los Angeles. And uh, I really did love it because I thought that it was um, a a Uh, It it sort of grabbed the trifecta for me of taking a lot of the thematic concerns uh, simultaneously of like Thomas Pynchon's V and uh, David Lynch's films, particularly, I mean, Blue Velvet uh, and um, uh, to an extent Mulholland Drive because Mulholland Drive is very much a Los Angeles movie and it's very much a film about people who like people who like things about about people who like (laughs) particularly art it's very much um a movie film for people who like movies um but at the same time is asks a lot of questions i guess about for lack of a better term uh objectification so on the one hand goofy movie with like a lot of thoughts threaded to it through it and a, a lot of uh bare breasts so i was a huge fan i think people should check it out because um i it's one of those movies where i'm just like i just want to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it uh and people who knows maybe other people will think like abbe seemed to pick up on a lot of the same stuff that i was going with but some of his other takes made me think that he didn't that I I went down a different path or maybe I'm just way more gullible than he is. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wanted to, I was like, let's talk about that. Also, I feel like if, in, considering we are a comic book podcast, I think that it might be a good idea for us to talk um, about comics that we've read. But even if we, you know, if we're under the gun, it seems like the classic is talking about House of X number one would seem to be a very yes. smart idea. And I don't know if you've mm-hmm. also read Powers of Ten One, but I have not.
1: Um, I haven't. I have not. Okay. Uh, I only got House of X. I got House of X a couple of days early this week. Right. Um, and I genuinely was stunned by how much I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 I have been open about how so much of Hickman's work has left me cold. And
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I was blown away by House of X. Yeah, House of X was, an inc- to put it mildly,
0: a really strong first issue. And um, as I think David Uzumari put it, uh, it's very – he was like it was. it's really nice seeing people respond to it on Twitter in a very like positive, good faith kind of way, like talking about it and thinking about yeah. it and arguing about it. Um, I did – like that it has a lot I mean how do I put it? it oh, there's there, so much there. Yeah, there's so much there. And there's a lot of stuff that Hickman puts together. I mean it's what's great is I was I was a little bummed I had pre ordered it through Marvel's half off digital thing. So I thought I was going to get it for like, I don't know, two bucks. But, of course, then they very cleverly gave me the director's cut, which is 60-some-odd pages, which is just like, oh, here's the pages uncolored. Here's the pages with inks. Here's the pages with no dial. It's just like, why why would you do this? On the other hand, the substantial chunk of story that you get, and even reading the crazy amounts of redaction on Hickman's
1: script yes. pages, too. Oh, was, really? Yeah. Oh, that, that. – Interesting. Cuz I mean what what I like is so they sent me a PDF of the of the comic like of the of the, the content of the comic. Right. And it's still 50 pages long, Yeah, it's right? like 40 or 50 like pages. Like just the yeah. comic. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's also that rare thing where the the you know the traditional Joe Hickman graph pages actually do feel additive. Oh, completely. Very, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And w- again what's
0: interesting Like I feel like
1: they really dramatically
0: yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, if you read his script pages, uh, he doesn't he just mentions like, oh, and then there's this text page, you know, which seems to, you know, seems to be there for redacted, but is actually there because of redacted. So it's kind of like, huh. um, the the idea that there might even be misdirects happening on those text pages, apart from the kind of interesting pointers yeah it's uh it it it, it's you know it's a shame the thing that actually really bummed me out was reading it and being of the wow like the when comics have that there are mysteries to be deciphered but you feel like everything has a meaning like that's sort of the you know primal comic book hook you know what I mean? Like, it it does make you want to sit there and do the puzzles. And, you know, God bless him. Hickman created an alphabet where you're like, I was like, oh, okay, fine. A, a pictographic alphabet. But then, of course, he starts putting them over doorways to things and on the back. And it was like, oh, God, am I actually going to try and figure this out, by which I mean, for me, because I'm very lazy, Google and find someone who actually figured this out, you know,
1: but, uh, but what I, what I love about that is that feels so forward thinking world building. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, that's literally interlocked from Legion of superheroes in like 1980s. Yes, that is true. You know, and I love that. I mm-hmm. genuinely do love it because when I saw it at first, I was like, Oh my God, like what other comic has done this? And yeah. then would been like, Oh yeah, that comic you fucking loved when you right. were like
0: 13. Well, I I am I am sort of fascinated, I, and who knows, maybe we'll find out or not. Uh, as, as you would know much much better than me, the rumors were that Hickman was going to take was going to come in and do Legion of Superheroes, and that
1: I, I, that is definitely a rumor that has happened. Yes, and yeah, that fell whether or not through. that is true, I still have no idea. Right, he he has he has outright said, to be fair, mm-hmm. that. Uh, that he was talking to dc and was planning on doing dc work before marvel offered to max man right he he has he i right said that yeah
0: and so so there are ways in which i'm like huh i i wonder i wonder how much uh how much repurposed material sort of got recycled and put back in or even if he was sitting there and thinking about interlac and then being like oh i've got to put this and this and this in here I also appreciated the efficiency of you have that first issue and there are a slew of characters that are introduced pretty efficiently, I think. You know, the ambassadors that are not necessarily what they seem and uh, the people on the space station and you know on top of everything else that's happening with the x men and the mutants and things so it's really that that idea that you're stepping into a larger world feels like um something that is being made explicit in that book multiple times over and it's and it it was really fun it was it was it was genuinely impressive and also felt like I don't know. I kind of had this weird feeling like I hope I hope it doesn't let me down because you and I both have had this thing where we've walked out pretty cold with what Hickman has done in the past. Um, ultimately, you know, like I swear I read all of Avengers and New Avengers, everything right up to Secret Wars. And I was like, uh, you know, and so, so we'll see you know, if that – part of me, and this is the part that's truly weird, is I almost feel as if sort of the way that that Morrison's run did. And, of course, it's impossible to imagine House of X without Morrison's
1: run. Yeah, it's very, very much, you know, Morrison. uh, But for me, it feels like Morrison's gone forward.
0: Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like taking the cues from Morrison's work and kind of like – Okay, and then where do we go from there? Which is kind of what Next. Morrison was yeah. sort of trying to do um at least before you get to kind of a pass Aggie kind of finale. Um But uh yeah, I, I I I it it was a hell of a strong book. I'm very much looking forward to Powers of Ten and it's sort of this strange like, huh, I'm into this. I, I, I yeah, I was gonna say you also have the moment of like, shit, am
1: I reading the X Men again?
0: Right. Right, exactly. Although, I don't know, at least for me, because I, I get the sense, is Hickman essentially a showrunner for the other X-Men titles?
1: I assume. So, they've announced six of the other X-Men titles. Right. He is writing one and a half of them. He mm-hmm. is writing X-Men, which is the lead title, which the cast of which is anyone he fucking wants. Right, And that is the, that is like, you know, the flagship. He's also writing the first arc of New Mutants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But only the first arc. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: and apparently it's because the first arc sets up things for the next waves of, of the books. Right. Hmm. So it's also New in Space, which suggests perhaps that we are going to get a, a Star Jammers book or something similar at some point. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we will We will certainly see. Uh, but yeah, that's a, it was... It was it was a heck of a good read, uh, surprisingly so. And it's fascinating to me because, again, I feel like there's been a lot of excitement to it, but there's also been a certain amount of, oh, but, you know, how do I put it? Like, this isn't going to last, you know? Like, and I don't know. I hope that that is not true. But I definitely feel like between this and with Immortal Hulk, there's, a for me, a very strong feeling of... Uh, marvels marvel 's got marvel 's got some good material i can't i can 't fully count them out, um, which in a way is sort of a shame because because they just seem like such dicks uh, in many ways on the other <laughs> hand you know uh, we, weirdly enough on the flip side of things I found myself since you and I last talked uh, in a non druck way um, I have read a a slu- I read 14 volumes of this romance manga and really enjoyed the hell out of it. Um well, and, well, well. Uh, tell me a name, Jeff. It's called uh You're My Pet, which um was actually published by Tokyo Pop under the title Tramps Like Us. Uh and and I of course I'm not even remotely prepared like 3 weeks ago I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've got this amazing list of of, you know, Everything that I've read, but I, of course, didn't write down uh, You're My Pet by uh, oh, god damn it, Yayue Ogawa. Uh, and um, so it's a romance manga about the sort of uh, woman in the process of having it all um, who bumps into literally a, an attractive homeless person. We say man, but he's, you know, the age is indeterminate. She's 27, 28, which is considered an old maid uh, in Japanese culture, at least at the time of when the book was published and probably still is. Uh, It originally ran between 2000 and 2005. And he's about... they fudge it between 16 and 18 he's homeless and um she ends up taking him home and uh he basically offers to become her pet so they end up living together it's sort of a you know two's company sort of situation she proceeds to have this um because of she literally treats him not in an S and M kind of way, but as in a dog.
1: I was going like, to say, are you sure? Yeah. Because the setup.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like that, but it's very much, you know, she comes home, he's excited to see her, you know, runs around sort of yipping. She cooks him food and then she sort of, you know, sits there reading while he like puts his head in her lap and she pets his hair. You know, he, she ends up calling him uh, Momo, which is the name of her dog from childhood, which is, was the only, uh, uh, the pet, her her pet, but also the only thing that she could really confide in. Beneath the exterior of sort of the tough can-do woman, she's actually very shy and very complicated. And for 14 volumes, she, you know, very early on, she ends up, getting the perfect boyfriend so but you know the is it uh, you know when is she going to realize that she actually should be with um momo and or not and it's amazing how much like even like three or four volumes in the cartoonist will occasionally have him say something like you know what makes you think I'm a human? Maybe I'm a dog given human form, and you're like, no, they wouldn't go there, would they? Uh, and then two
1: pages later, <laughs> you're, you're like, like maybe, maybe they would. Maybe they <laughs> would
0: because it really does have a lot of. Anyway, it was it was great. It was avail. It's available through Comixology Unlimited uh, as part of their arrangement with uh, Kodansha, and I just read the shit out of it and it's very much uh, sort of something that you said about boys um kind of sparked this in me i was like yeah part of why i read it was at a certain point i enjoy the characterization so much i mean i think that ogawa is she's also a fabulous cartoonist i just love looking at the way that she draws it's very much it's almost stereotypically um romance manga not as much as the other um romance series that i read the first volume of uh mars which is um much closer to may may not be jose Josie uh manga which is to say manga for older women um it uh mars feels much more almost stereotypically a shoujo manga in that it's a shy Uh, uh, bullied uh, girl who has artistic talent uh, ends up drawing the attention of the coolest guy in school and they begin hanging out together. And that book, I only read, again, I read the first volume of and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can make it because it is so stereotypical, stereotypical, um, like, when they finally kiss like the starburst effects are insane on the other hand it was also pretty great i have to say at the end of volume one when they kiss and it's like this six maybe four double page spreads of them getting closer together and the sparkle effects are just going insane and then by the time they kiss you're like wow i have to say yeah kind of feel it on the page of course it's I don't know with Mars, whether or not that so completely becomes the cliche, Um, you know, that if if it's, if it's living the cliche that someone else created, or it helps create the cliche, because that stuff looked more rudimentary, but Ogawa's stuff is much more a, it's, it's much more sitcom-y, but it's also a sitcom that, that really is based in character and becomes, I guess, in sort of the same way with sitcoms, you know characters that you want to hang out with and so i enjoyed it it tremendously like and weirdly enough by the time i came back to comics there was kind of a weird like oh i like this but boy i really don't like this but like weirdly enough i despite really genuinely loving the um Jimmy Olsen preview story in the uh, Rise of Leviathan one mm-hmm. shot or whatever. I thought Jimmy Olsen number one was kind of just okay. Like stuff that I liked, but I was also like, I'm waiting to kind of love this. And I sort of and it of, didn't come. Yeah. And it didn't, which is weird. Whereas um, shockingly enough, Batman universe number one, which is the first collection of the, Bendis, Nick Darrington stuff, I'm assuming, that ran in the the Walmart 100-page giants, that stuff was incredibly enjoyable to me. Part of it was it's Darrington just drawing Batman and Batman characters like a motherfucker, but it's also Bendis being incredibly loose and fast and fun
1: in a way... It's very playful, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Very much so. Which is interesting because I feel like maybe earlier in the month maybe a week or two earlier the superman up in the sky number one came out by tom king and adam kubert and i was like i i was like i did not i so didn't like that i that was like the anti-like and so um it would have been fun seeing them in the same book to see how that contrast would have played out in a way along with a bunch <laughs> of other stuff but uh um and weirdly enough on top of saying all that batman issue 75 which was the start of city of bane and i will be honest graham i was kind of like oh boy finally this is sort of where i can you know the beginning of yes the beginning of my stopping reading uh tom king on batman and or maybe batman who knows uh City of Bane. I ended up really enjoying
1: in a way that was. Isn't it really like it feels like a different comic. I'm sure there's an element of like it's supposed to. It's like you know everything's topsy turvy. Bane's right. in charge. Yeah, but like, Tom King feels like a different writer in that comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think so. For the most there's, there's part, actually, some zip to it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of zip. And in fact, when it cuts back to the. The What you think of as the Tom King sequences, where it's like the story that's being told uh, in, you know, uh, panel uh, in captions while, you know, someone mysteriously, painfully makes their way up a mountain. and And even the final reveal, which, of course, very much ties it into like, oh, of course, this is where you would see this going for the rest of the king comic like you said the rest of it had a a real a uh an a like you said a zip and also i don't know if it's an a an absurdity so much as a willingness to be absurd that that I was like shit I really enjoyed that I'm kind of that was not what I that was literally the opposite of
1: Exactly this is not what I expected what just happened
0: Yeah well it's it's a shame because it was sort of like I was not expecting to enjoy myself and part of why I enjoyed myself is because they really did take it um they were willing to let it go to a stupid place and you know and you know me I and throughout Tony Daniel has you know popped in and out of Tom King's run, and King seems to use him as a a certain amount of fanboy spice i guess um not to make that sound like a spice girl character, but just in a way that's like oh this is this is what the fans will like but it was. It was so enjoyably dumb. And Tony Daniels also did that kind of like, oh, great, I get to draw all these characters making cool poses in a way that makes them look cool, but also is ridiculous if you think about it for any length of time. Um, That worked out really well. I'm shocked by how much I liked Batman 75. So uh, other things that I feel like I should mention that I read... um, that I thought were really one thing or another. Uh, I should mention that um, I really liked uh, oh, shit. Uh, Outer Darkness. I'm still really enjoying what that series is doing. I read the Bad Weekend graphic novel, which I sort of bought on a lark, which was
1: oh, that's the the um, criminal, the yeah, Blue Baker
0: and Phillips, yep. which is really dumb of me because I really part of me is like, okay, I really have to chalk that up for because I I have the individual issues. I was going to say,
1: but like you, although to be fair, they have it is expanded.
0: Well, and that's why I was like, oh, I really like this so much that I will pick it up for the expanded material, and then I was like there really wasn't much like the stuff that got cut I can see why it got cut and it didn't I'm not sure it added much to it weirdly I feel like your interview with Brew Baker might have been around the stage for our, for our THR was when I was like okay I'm I'll pick up the damn graphic novel and then afterwards I was like curse you fuck you, you.
1: Why did, why did curse you that?
0: friends you supposed like you didn't help me at all god damn it so you're yeah. welcome yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, I feel like I feel like it was kind of a it's been a pretty good month for me for reading comics for the most part. Assassin Assassination uh popped up, uh finished up, which was kind of a bummer. I didn't realize that it was only five issues. I've had a weird I've had a weird like the number of regular subscri- comicsology books that I'm subscribed to that are just flat out ending is Kind of, kind of high. Like I didn't realize assassination was going to be ending, and of course, Walking Dead, the uh surprise ending, which I think we talked was about. As I say,
1: no one, no one expected that
0: one. Yeah, exactly.
1: That that really was a shocker.
0: Was that even talked about at San Diego? Was that even a thing? Like, oh, no, which is really interesting. That is strange. I really kind of thought that it would be.
1: Talked about people would be
0: talking about yeah, it, right? Yeah. The
1: only time it came up was in uh, when I was talking to Charles Sewell and Scott Snyder, right. and that was literally them being like, We didn't know when we were planning to launch this book that The Walking Dead was ending, right? Wow, it's funny. Cause, like, Scott, Scott Snyder was honestly like, He's a friend of mine, and he didn't even tell me he was ending it. The fucking <laughs> <bastard>. <laughs> That's really funny, yeah. Uh, Um, yeah but but it was there was no um like it it wasn't a buzzy thing at all which is kind of weird right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it feels like one of the biggest pieces of comics news in, In well
0: again i i think so and yet it really just seems to kind of lay there in in a way that's kind of yeah i'm just i'm i'm really surprised like it's that classic like no one's talking about it because of something that's going unsaid or else maybe it's just a thing that people don't care about but i i'm let's put it this way i feel like more people are talking about Todd McFarlane and Spawn which i sort of feel is a book that people long ago stopped caring about you know like i'm still it's it's image comics best-selling series right now jeff no i know but i also am aware that that means nothing yeah i mean that the great thing about todd mcfarlane is it means doubly nothing um mcfarlane is a dude who's like I'm, i'm assuming that this is still the case where isn't it like he or his brother-in-law own a comic book shop and there's been like you know sort of at least back in the day sort of rumblings that mcfarlane uses it to artificially inflate orders at certain crucial times to make the book look like it's performing better than it is i don't know i it's that's one of those weird like have to be that's kind of wonderful, rumors. and
1: I hope that's true.
0: Yeah, right. You're like, I hope that's true because <laughs> if not, you've committed some serious slander and libel, and I have to no, no longer associate with you.
1: Uh, <laughs> Tom, I found interestingly enough, was the guest of honor the, the um, Batman getting inducted into the Comic Con Hall of Fame thing on the Wednesday of Comic Con. Really, why? Because then the shit, I'm gonna say a hundredth. Batman black and white statue, maybe it's two hundred, it's some anniversary anyway. Uh-huh. Is based on his Batman, like a Batman cover of his from the eighties. Oh, well, there's and not also, that many. Is it the I, Batman Year Two stuff? Or no, it's there. It's a cover from Batman. Oh, huh. interesting. Um, but also there, I, I, I'm, I know I'm misremembering this. There's something along the lines of like McFarlane toys and DC are doing a line together. Oh, interesting. It's like it's like the other thing.
0: Huh. Oh, that makes sense. Um,
1: depends yeah, but yeah, on top, like sense. literally, it was it was literally because when I got there, it was before I got there for the press preview, before the thing started, mm-hmm. and it was literally Jim Lee and Tom McFarlane on stage talking to each other, going through like the slideshow. <laughs> it's really funny. It was it was re- it was actually really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was like fuck, Tom McFarlane weirder still was jim lee like recognizing me and being like hey how are you doing i was like fucking jim lee yeah
0: yeah 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 that's that's funny and odd
1: but uh but not surprising
2: it's, right it's just, weird. Yeah. it's just weird it's just weird
1: <laughs> um no but it, yeah tom and Furlan was there when i was like i guess tom and Furlan's a thing now right yeah there's some sort yeah. of right I feel like he's coming somehow coming back. I mean maybe it is. Maybe he's like, you know, my brother's comic book store shows that my comics aren't selling enough. I'm gonna do like a you know, a Batman thing to get my name back out there.
0: Well, he's you know, there's all that he seemed really, really close to 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 having it look like the Spawn movie come together finally and now it sort of sounds like it's all but falling apart, so I don't know if he's trying to do some kind of pivot, but I I don't know. But yeah, I know what you mean. There is a certain amount of uh, McFarland seems to be working hard to bring attention to himself and the idea that he's still viable and still there in a way, which I, it's, just, it's really weird, right? Yeah. It's, I find it deeply, deeply odd, but, uh, you know, seems, seems to work for him. Uh, yeah, Graham, I don't know if I have anything Josh! else. Isn't it weird? Like, I feel like we, you know, after hearing about <laughs> Comic-Con, I'm like, I I actually had a moment where I was like, I'm just going to ask Graham about what he's watching on TV or what movies he's seen recently. And, uh, you know, with Boys, you kind of covered it. And... um
1: Exactly, I answered it. Um, I have been reading a lot of – well, I read The Hizenga, obviously. Right. Which is – like I, I think it comes out in September and I can't recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. Genuinely can't recommend it enough. It, it, it's, it's an astonishing work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading – the when I said I spent a lot of money, I also got a lot of stuff from 2,000 mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, for some reason, was like I want print editions on a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um and I've realized that I like Rob Williams stuff on Judge Dread is genuinely great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Like like just you know, we've talked he's got a lot of what we like about Wagner. Mm-hmm. Not so much the humor stuff, but like the long term planning and the ability to like really thread stuff right you know, for years in advance. Mm-hmm. Um is it, is all there and, and when you read it... Because it's a weird thing about Rebellion's Judge Dread collections that aren't the case file. Mm-hmm. It's that they kind of do storyline collections.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So, for example, if you get the Titan collection, it's Titan and then the two sequels, even though they all appeared like a year and a half apart. Right. Right. But you get all of those together. Mm. So you get the through line, you know, or if you get the small house, because I got the small house edition. Right. Um, you get like the prequels to the small house. Oh, that's in, good. Which, again, did not appear immediately for the small house. Right. But it really helps when you're reading them together to be like, shit, like this was all, Mm -hmm. like this was all really well done. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of things that I missed that I didn't see. And then when I get them all together like this, I'm like, oh fuck, yeah, this is, this is all really like incredibly smart, incredibly well planned, incredibly well executed. Mm -hmm. You know, which, which really made me uh, appreciate it. Uh, And then I've been reading a lot of like old. 2080 stuff. Mm-hmm. So I really, I've been living my best life, Jeff. I've been living lots of old British comics this week. Ah, uh, great. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. No, I'm, I, I am I, too. I have to say, I, like, and honestly, it, it's been really nice to sort of uh decompress that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did read was I, I, I honestly thought I had been keeping up with Batman, the Batman who laughs, mm-hmm. and that was a lie, Jeff. I was lying to myself. <laughs> And I say that because DC sent out PDFs of the following week's comics every Friday. Right. So coming out on Wednesday is the final issue of the series. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I dropped off at some point. I'm going to read them all in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, it turned out I hadn't even read issue two. <laughs> Not joking. I was like, wow. I was like, fuck. I had read issue four, bizarrely. Huh. But I hadn't read issues two and three. Hmm boof um that's a fascinating little comic yeah. it's really fucking weird yeah. like it's really fucking weird mm-hmm. um it, it it feels like it runs on dream logic <laughs> right have you have you been reading it no no
0: and i've been debating it a lot about whether i should or okay not. so
1: here, here's the basic plot mm-hmm Batman who laughs, who, for those who didn't pay attention or fell asleep during metal, (laughs) is the Batman of an alternate universe where Batman became infected by Joker toxin but didn't turn into the Joker, instead turned into immoral or amoral, I should say, Batman. Right. Like Bruce Wayne, who just is incredibly selfish and just wants to win at any costs, Mm -hmm. is loose in Gotham, in our Gotham City, and starts bringing dead Bruce Wayne's from alternate dimensions into Gotham while investigating this the Joker somehow gets involved Mm -hmm. somehow and Batman reveals that he would never kill the Joker because he is a theory that if the Joker ever gets killed the Joker has booby trapped his own body to release a toxin that would create the Joker in whoever is closest to the Joker when he dies (laughs) So, I mean that is like out of nowhere is a theory, right? But right. Batman's like, I fully believe this. Uh-huh. So the Batman Who Laughs engineers a situation where the Joker apparently dies releasing a toxin and Batman is the person who gets infected. Because the Batman Who Laughs is creating himself. Right. And like makes comments about like this is how he got created and he remembers it happening. Mm-hmm. Right? So the implication is the Batman Who Laughs is future Batman. Mm-hmm. Joker doesn't die, but Batman slowly becomes taken over by the Joker and to kind of become the Batman who laughs. Uh-huh. And mixed in with all of this is, like, James Gordon's son? Oh, right.
0: Right. James Gordon's son, who, from the I... one Scott Snyder Batman arc, I have still not read. I mean, apart from yeah. this one.
1: But yeah. which is the, Which is the other one uh illustrated by jock who illustrates mm-hmm. about my crafts. right
0: oh which right. is part of the reason why i've stayed away from this because i actually like jock as a graphic designer and not as a visual storyteller i actually backed out of i think it's called black the black mirror or something right or dark yeah, is, mirror, is or...
1: It's the black mirror. Yeah. yeah uh
0: right and i made it like uh, maybe uh between between two issues of that and the first arc of Witches, I was just like I don't like Jock's art. I just don't. I don't like his comic storytelling and I actually think that he and Scott Snyder um, they apparently seem to love each other and it sells well so I've got to be alone in this but I just, I just, I don't like the storytelling. I just, it just ends up, there's always some point where I'm like, none of this is making sense in a how the characters are physically in relation to each
1: other so anyway sorry please continue it's not the point i'm not going to spoil the ending Mm -hmm. because it's not out yet but suffice to say that it is very much an ending where logic (laughs) no right right and it's Between that and, like, the whole theory about Batman's becoming the Joker, but he's not becoming the Joker, he's becoming the Batman who laughs, but it's not the Joker, but might be Batman who laughs. And then, like, literally, at two different points in the series, there's a cliffhanger that is, oh, shit, he's become the Batman who laughs. And then they're like, no, he's not. Like, literally, like, he's just wearing the same mask. Or, no, he just seems to be. Um like, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like, it legitimately doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it's weirdly charming despite that. I, I'm i glad to hear it. It's a really, really weird thing. Like, it's a really weird comic. Mm. um And you may or may not remember, it's been extended an issue and it's going to lead into Batman Superman, the new series. Right. Uh, and you can see the join. mm mm-hmm there's literally like well, you can't really see the joint about it growing an issue i think it would have grown an issue otherwise uh-huh. But there's an epilogue in the final in the in the final issue that honestly feels like it comes out of nowhere and is there to set up um the batman superman series about which by the way the batman superman series uh there's going to be six characters who were infected by the batman who laughs and become like evil versions of themselves mm-hmm. i am um, Genuinely shocked to see that DC has revealed three of them in solicits.
0: Really? Well, they revealed one in the
1: preview pages, so unless they. I'm in the preview pages, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The solicits for October, and then because DC is advanced soliciting specific issues in November, mm-hmm. they revealed the November solicits as well. The November solicits revealed two more. Wow, really? Yeah. And their characters who have their own books, by the way. Yeah. In fact, Shazam was, obviously. But makes you think, well, wait. This can't be permanent then. Right. Like this has to be temporary. Yeah. Yeah. Because first of all, there's no fucking way Shazam is seeing evil. Right. No. Right. Like, no, mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-hmm. Um but another one i mean should i name them because they aren't the solicits i'm not saying anything that's not in the sure. in the catalog i'm sure go ahead Paul. um Hawk, hawkman and supergirl huh. and it's like maybe hawkman could stay evil because like you do a whole well you know there's multiple hawkman blah, blah blah deal right. but supergirl is not going to stay evil right 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 yeah so with this thing i'm like so i guess they're curing them but it's so strange that issue one of this comic is now yet
0: right right yeah yeah
1: huh well uh, it's
0: very that's i don't know it's it's tough with me because i think that um i feel that that the dio and Snyder, or I, I say to Dio, and that's perhaps the wrong shorthand. I feel as if DC needs is aware that they need some sort of map for where their universe and their events are going and coming from, and Snyder is really happy to provide that quite clearly, as we've seen from, you know, just I mean the the you know, the the year of the villain stuff at the end of City of Bane, actually I thought worked somewhat well and I feel like I saw it in some other
1: Oh, DC it's in all, all the DC books right now.
0: Oh, right, at the end of Action Comics.
1: Yeah, yeah at, at, the end, at the end of all of them, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so those are the only two that I'm familiar with. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, you know, as I think we talked about when we talked about the year of the villain stuff, it feels... Kind of like Evil Unleashed 2.0, or what? What was it? Evil Unleashed? Evil Unlimited? What's uh, the for Forever Evil? Forever Evil? No, 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 no. The the original Wade one with Necron back in like oh uh, Underworld Unleashed. There we go. Thank you, thank you. um Just because of the nature of the thing, but but I was kind of like, huh? Well, you know, I it it gives it some. There's a feeling that it that everything's taking place in the same universe, which is odd because there's points in some of the books, such as Batman 75, where you're like, how could this even be taking place in the same universe? But you know, it's, it's for better or for worse. I feel like Snyder is very, um, game to take his stuff and reweave it back into the DCU in a way that, that DC is also game to have him do it. So, uh i hope it works i guess i hope that it works for them i know that you talked about sort of being very impressed with batman superman number one um or just the the idea of it and how excited joshua williamson yeah course, that's a, like
1: a, i talked to josh williamson and david marquez and they were they were incredibly enthusiastic about it and yeah. like what they told me about the plan sounded good and the pages they showed me i haven't read the first issue oh okay uh, like I, ju- I just saw a lot. Of, like I saw a lot of preview art. I basically saw the first issue in in in, uh, in art, right? Uh,
0: yeah. It it's it's a thing.
1: It's you know I sort of feel like
0: again I've got a weird push me pull me stuff going on with Bendis' work. I'm reading a lot of Bendis and Bendis related books at DC, which seems to be his own little corner, and I alternate between enjoying it and being incredibly exasperated by it you know because
1: well, i guess as long as the enjoyment lasts well eh? i
0: mean that's the thing it's sort of i i like it i like his characters on the page you know i like action comics ten thirteen. a lot of the stuff that's happening there i'm like oh this is a fun read but there's also a I just feel there's ways that I also feel that he's weirdly, genuinely bad at telling a story. Like the uh, Leviathan issue two, which is, you know, Batman hanging out on a rooftop, talking to Jason Todd and then doing the flashbacks on stuff like that was that was really tortured. Like I was like, that's it's half the time I'm like this i and it's weird maybe it's also this weird thing going on with me with Tom King where half the time i'm like this is really bad this is not good this is genuinely bad and then they'll do something where i'm like oh i really like this page or oh i really like this character and it's it's so frustrating to me cuz i wish i i wish that it could sort of somehow settle out you know um mm-hmm. Uh, I should mention very quickly before we go, I read both The Wrong Earth 1 and 2 um, and Second Coming, number one. And Second Coming, number one, which has been out for a while and I purchased when it came out and then didn't read because I hadn't been digging Russell's Wonder Comics, Wonder Twins stuff Mm -hmm. for Wonder Comics. Yeah. Um, I really loved Second Coming, number one. I thought it was really quite good um it's ironic because i i was literally like i read it i'm like god okay i'm gonna subscribe to the series which somehow was not an option on comiXology so i don't know i don't know what what i'm doing wrong there but uh but i also have to say i thought the wrong earth uh one and two were pretty enjoyable um too for me in a way that reminded me of uh reminded me of Mark Wade's Irredeemable um in I can see that in ways both in, in in mostly positive comparisons like in some ways I'm sort of like oh I think I almost like this more but I I'm also aware that there's a lot of the script flipping is part of what makes it enjoyable but it also has a lot of other curve stuff to it that I enjoyed Huh? You know, I have mm-hmm. to say, I read the Irredeemable Omnibus. Um, I feel like around the same time, like I'm kind of like, I did. Why are you? Okay, I'm that. curious. Why are you rereading? Why are you rereading Irredeemable? Oh, no, 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 not rereading. I read. I read it way back around the. T- Sorry, I was being very unclear. I read it around the time that I feel like I read the Boys Omnibus. Like it was. Okay. And, and I had that. Moment I feel. Of like, I
1: feel they were very close together. Yeah. Yeah. And i
0: i'm like did i finish reading irredeemable like i had that thing of like i know i did because i feel like i complained on this very podcast about the ending and yet at the same time i'm like i have i have genuinely no memory like genuinely no memory of how
1: that ends i also know for a fact that i've read the end of irredeemable and i cannot remember a fucking thing about it yeah that's like I I I I, un- I remember being dissatisfied by it. That's why I know I read it. Yes, exactly I did the same thing. Not tell you what happened in the end of it at all. Oh, holy shit! Yeah, that's. I wonder, is there a baby involved?
0: Yeah, I feel I feel like there's a baby, and there's might even be a thing where Irredeemable, uh, the Plutonian, finds out
1: that he's an. Like, oh, shit! I've literally just looked up Wikipedia, and, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. I don't feel like we should spoil it necessarily for anyone else that wants I'll to... I'll just
1: say that, uh, it, like, the very, if you if anyone is curious and doesn't want to read it, uh, look at the plot up on Wikipedia, and the very last bit of the plot will perhaps make you realize why Jeff and I were both like, oh... Uh, I'll have to look at it later. I want to look at it now, so we can be like, oh, shit! But, ah, uh, well nevertheless you'll know you'll know it jeff you'll know when you see it
0: you'll know it when you see it
1: yeah you're the episode jeff Yeah, isn't it? My goodness. We're all over the place. Sorry, everyone. Uh, I don't know about Jeff, but in Portland right now it's weirdly warm, and I think maybe the sweats have got to me.
0: Yeah, it's weirdly warm in Edie's office as well. She really does manage to get a ton of heat in here, if it's at all sunny. And it's been weirdly warm uh, this weekend in in San Francisco. Uh, Yeah, I was like, I'm going to talk to Graham McMillan, and I'm going to be filled with trenchant thoughts and insights. I'm like, Maybe next time, listeners. We love you, though.
1: so We yeah. do love you, listeners.
0: Hey, Jeff, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Are we doing a drug next week? Oh, God. Uh, no, we're not. Uh, honestly, because I am in Hell Week from now through the 31st. So, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so it's going to be a free-form – the free-form wait-what Um, uh, again, and hopefully I'll have something – In theory, unless things go weirdly wrong with work, I will be seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood tomorrow. Hopefully I'll get a chance to complain about that and or contrast it with Under the Silver Lake, which, believe it or not, I would think seems to have um, some weird through lines with considering they're both narratives about Los Angeles and movies, and I really, really hope in a way for Tarantino's sake... uh, some sort of criticism or deconstruction of the fantasies about fantasy land, which is
1: very, very rich. Uh, I, I think you're going to be, um, I, I've not seen once upon a time in Hollywood, but I did get the end spoiled for me yesterday. Oh geez. Uh, which was great. Uh-huh. And let me just say that I'm really curious what you're going to
0: make of it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. Cause. Hmm. Uh yes, so I'll be blabbing about that. Hopefully, we'll be blabbing about some comics. Some crazy fool might blow up his comic book career uh, between now and then. You know, I feel like odds are always good with the comic
1: book industry. Uh, so <laughs> so what we're saying is, play it by ear. Yeah, whatnots. Play we, it by We, we, we don't will. even know what we're doing. We don't even know what we're doing. So. We're, we're podcasting by the seat of our pants. <laughs> and that's the best place to be podcasting from, let me tell you. Yes, indeed. Nothing... Uh, I, I I was just going to I was going to launch it to the end, Jeff. Oh, please do. When you, you, you talked about it being Helbig, and I was going to say I've not had Hellbeak, but I've also not been updating uh, the weight What Instagram. That's Instagram.com forward slash Wait What Pod, or the Wait what Tumblr. That's Wait What Pod Over the last couple of weeks, honestly, because a of San Diego Comic Con and b because of being really tired after yeah, San Diego Comic Con, just Comic-Con. I, yeah. I can't I can't deny it. I've been really tired this week. But, uh, normal service will be resumed. Yes. You
0: didn't get the con crud, though, this season,
1: did you? I didn't. The worst I got was actually a weird sniffle, but it didn't go beyond that. Interesting. Um, I'm kind of hoping that the oddly warm weather here in Portland might have just burned it out of me.
0: Okay. I hope so, because I have to say... It has been – I feel like it's been relatively traditional for you to get very sick upon Really sick. Of San Diego, yeah. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah the week after, just get really sick, and that didn't happen, which, let me tell you, Jeff, was lovely. Yeah. It <laughs> was really nice not to just crash. So, you know, knock on woods, I'm going to keep that up. Uh, anyway, I just gave you two of the Wait what Inst- uh, Wait whats mm-hmm. social. Presences. Uh, this is also when I say that we have a Twitter account at Wait What Podcast. Jeff has a Twitter account solo at Lazy Bastard at L A Z Y B A S T I D, and I'm at Graham M at G R A E M E M. We are also a Patreon supported podcast. Yes, Jeff. Uh,
0: yes i'm gonna jump in here uh and uh mangle my my declarations of love as i usually do no uh, graham uh, being uh my cohort and partner cannot uh crouch in the bushes Cyrano de Bergerac like and whisper me through this uh which you really should we're incredibly grateful to everyone who listens to this podcast and has listened to us for Holy cow, 10 years. Uh, 10 million episodes. That's Yes, exactly. By the way we count, which is only half as convoluted as the way that comic book companies that actually make their money doing so uh, do it, which is kind of a sad commentary on the times. Uh, we are also super grateful to the kind supporters at Patreon who have been throwing us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh these last Five years if you can believe it uh and that has helped keep us uh energized him um, coming up with crazy ways to um uh pay it forward so to speak to all of our listeners as you know the baxter building which we tackled the first 416 issues of the fantastic four and still makes me uh wake up in a cold cold sweat of dread uh Ironically enough, I was not trying to tie that in with Drock, our monthly read through of Judge Dread, the complete case files, um, which in theory also makes me a little more panicky because it is such a substantial amount of reading and makes me realize what an unbelievable fuck off I was in college because i swear i don't think that i've read nearly as much material um as i do for the DROX every month so the fact that we've got one coming up in a couple of weeks fills me with uh, just startle and a startlement i was really gonna say startlement like that was a word um so I'm going to blame that on the heat, but I will not blame it on all of our fine listeners, including Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her. Instead, I will thank her for her continuing support of this podcast, as well as this little section of the Milky Way, at least until House of X 6, where she is revealed as the ultimate villain. Um, but until then, we're incredibly grateful. Graham?
1: We're going to be grateful Beyond that, it's just that um, Empress Audrey will be revealed as the first mutant. I, I was reading this week, Jeff. We are I know we're heading towards an end, but I just want to say this. Um, apparently, with Marvel doing their 80th anniversary, mm-hmm. they've revised again who the first mutant of the Marvel Universe is. Because remember for a while it was Namor, and Namor even had a series called The First Mutant? Yes. Apparently there's a character that was out before Namor, which I don't even know how is possible. If Namor appeared in Marvel Comics 1, which is officially the first Marvel Comics... Apparently, there's a, an earlier character who is now being called the first mutant, uh... and like it's not it's not like a story retcon, like it's a it's a publishing retcon. Oh, interesting. Isn't that really weird? I can't. I honestly can't remember who it is. I'm just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the sort of in-depth commentary you can expect on next week's to Watch. Everyone, until then, from my esteemed co-host, Mister Jeffrey. Open brackets. Loverman, close brackets, Lester, (laughs) and myself. Bye. Bye. Oh, man. Brackets.